Hey everybody, welcome to Frame Trap. We are uh, doing this from our homes. We have a very special guest, but before we get to that special guest, I want to introduce Michael Huber. Yo! Brandon Jones. Hey everybody. I will be hosting you through this. I am Ben Moore, who loves to mute himself. Uh, but Mitch from IGN, what's up, dude? What's up, everyone? How's it going? Good, man. A uh, little bit of backstory. Before you were at IGN, you were at Gamefront, and... Yeah. When game trailers went down, you and I hung out a few times. We streamed uh, Street Fighter Five together. Yeah, and I so- felt like I felt like we had a, a kindred connection because we both were part of Defy Media. Yeah. So I mean, no, enough said there. <laughs> yeah. We, what Defy? What? What? <laughs> we shall not speak its name. Mitch, I feel like you and I and Ben also played like Destiny or The Division together. It was one of those. I know. Uh, I fact. remember. I remember vividly uh dur- during the bloodborne review uh ben and i were in like a, a party chat together mm-hmm. and you guys like kept coming in it became like this group party chat where we were all talking about yes. bloodborne nice. while we were reviewing it oh <laughs> yeah uh we also went to a friday we're well, not friday night wednesday, wednesday night, night fights, fights. Yep, yep yeah yep. that right. was awesome still my only time going yeah me too i've got to correct that at some point but it hey, was awesome if you ever need another buddy <laughs> Uh, Mitch, talk to me about IGN, man. I feel like you've just been cranking out reviews, doing so much coverage. Like, you've really been kind of the fighting game, action game guy, I feel like, at IGN. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's that's the guy I am outside of IGN, too. I love fighting games, I love action games, and I, I try to, to carve out a niche in terms of being able to be the one to cover those games. Um, but yeah, uh... I just I love I love writing reviews. I can't stop. It's a problem. <laughs> um, what has it been like? I mean, working for going from Gamefront to IGN, right? I have to imagine there's a pretty substantial difference in size there. Oh God, yeah. Uh, it, so what's funny is that like Gamefront went went under, and then there was probably about a, a two or three year period where I was doing other things. Um, and then I went to IGN. And so, like, the, the closer comparison I have is working with, like, Game Ranks, um, doing editing and uh, video features for them, and then going to IGN. Um, and it's been, it's been interesting <laughs> because, you know, you work, you work for a YouTube channel and you're, you're used to doing kind of everything yourself. You do, uh, you do all the editing, you do the VO, you do, um, you know, the writing and all that stuff. At, at IGN, you know, there's different departments that are able to handle some of that load mm-hmm. and so it's it's been a adjustment process trying to get used to that for sure uh is there i guess are there any downsides to that i obviously having those resources must be tremendous in some ways but i can imagine with so many moving parts it might make communication difficult yeah, sometimes, and this is one of the reasons why I, I try also to to work on my. I still try to do the YouTuber thing of doing my own my own VO, my own uh, editing, and all that stuff. Just because it can be hard when you have a vision in your mind of how something is going to look, right? And like you know the the challenge of communicating that to to another editor. Um, so yeah, there, there's definitely trade offs both ways. Yeah, we we have that here, and I don't. I guess I don't want to speak for. Huber or Brandon, but there are definitely times where for reviews, 
I'm like, okay, I see it this way, and then you hand it off to another editor. And it's not that they don't do an amazing job. It's just different than whatever weird thing you were constructing in your mind. For sure. That definitely happens. Yeah, um, that's exactly it. But moving it up to the, the whole panel, Huber and Jones, get you guys in here. How has uh, quarantine life been treating you? I cut my own stuff. I don't trust nobody. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Don't you, don't Basically me. Someday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. I, ha I, I got to say one of the, just shout out to my wonderful wife, Amanda, because she loves to cook and I just don't, I just never like picked that up. Mm. And so like I could survive on my own. Like I could be fine, just like Pop-Tart breakfast, you know, day 15, here we go. But like she uh, has just been very creative with the supplies that we have. Um, and so I just like every time she'll just like, you know, put a meal together. Like, oh, <laughs> this is amazing. Jones, I want to I wanna cook with you. I want to show you the joys of cooking, man. It's pressure. Get used to get get ready for me to have you, you. You can see more anxiety in my pupils than you've ever experienced really? before huh. in your life. Yeah. See, it's to just, me, it's, it's therapeutic. Just, it's the it's, it's the just opposite. Pure, oh, oh, just pure stress. Just time bombs. It's like uh uh, it's like real time strategy for me. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like anytime anytime I'm like, okay, I got my stuff set up here, and then okay, and then oh, all right, let me just send those troops over there, and then go back. Oh, they're all dead. You know, like that's how it's cooking for me. You know, it's just like. Every time, like, I just put something in a pot, it's like, you're going to fail. I'm like, no. <laughs> Very no. stressful. Uh, He's bringing the mood down. Mine's been pretty brutal. <laughs> Overcooked, oh. though. That makes yeah. me happy. Huber, no. <laughs> yeah, dude. Neighbors. Noisy neighbors. Yeah. Oh, no. Crazy. Is it just, like, blasting bass, like, at all hours? And, like, got this other guy, like, streaming workout videos, like, stomping around. Oh, like, no. It's, yeah, it's been rough. Is that but, better uh, or worse than, like, hearing neighbor sex? I mean, it's all bad. I, I sure. just, like, for as loud of person as I am, I also really enjoy silence. Like, when watching a movie or just, like, playing a game or just wanting to rest. So it's been pretty rough. <laughs> but it is what it is, so I'm just, I'm dealing, you know? Just trying to play games and uh, wear my headphones. I guess yeah, it's the, the hardest, though, when, like, Beth and I want to, like, watch something like Devs or something, like, a really quiet, intense show, mm -hmm. and it's, like, a really intense moment, and then you just hear, <laughs> so, it is what it is. We need to get <laughs> an Easy Allies house. Actually, we'd probably kill each other. I say that, and then, like, immediately regret that idea. There's no way that that would work. <laughs> We make it about three days. We make it about three do. days. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Easy living length, and then we're done. Uh, I have a cat on my lap. I've never had a cat on my lap for French fry before, so that's fun. Nice. Yeah. There ben, you, you go. can't you can't say you have a cat then not show the cat. Well, he's yeah. all he's all sleepy. And, oh, oh, here we go. <laughs> Frame trap cat. Hi, Ease. Look at that face. Yeah, he's sleepy. He's sleepy. I like with Ben when I'm on the couch and I'm just like, okay, I'll be like watching some of the man and it's like, all right, I'm at, you know, I work in the garage. So it's like, okay, I got to go work. And like Norbert will jump on my lap. I'm like, oh, oh, well, I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. There Welcome goes two hours. Life. Nothing I can do about that. Anytime anything is delayed from Easy Allies, just assume it's because a cat is on my lap and I wasn't able to get up. Uh, speaking of games, though, this frame trap lineup is formidable. I think this might yeah. be the best lineup of games that we've ever had on Frame Trap to the point where I don't really know what to start with. 2020 General looks just so spicy, man. It, it looks is. so good. Looking ahead, everything that's been good so far this year and everything else that's coming. 
Mm. It's just been nonstop. It, mm. Like ever since Neo Two, it's just been week after week after week, yeah. and then the fourth the the forthcoming weeks after weeks. Mm. <laughs> the, the, the beginning was a little slow, but oof, yeah, it's gonna. I think what, I think when all said and done, twenty twenty is gonna be. And we still have here. Cyberpunk, which is gonna take three months to get through. It's gonna be great. <laughs> uh, you know what, Mitch? Do you want to talk about Doom? Uh, sure. We can talk about Doom. My uh, my review just went up. I feel like I've talked a lot about Doom, but I really want to get an outside perspective on Doom Eternal. How is it? How is it treating you? Oh, Doom Doom Eternal is amazing. <laughs> uh, so so yeah, it's it's everything that I wanted it to be from when I when I first saw the the first couple trailers of it. It's a faster, more arcadey version of Doom 2016. Um, and it's funny, like the the things that Doom Eternal adds you go back and you try to play Doom 2016 and the game feels slow. Like Doom 2016 feels slow in comparison to Doom Eternal, which is crazy. Um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm, I had a blast with it. Uh, I, I beat the game and then I, I tried to do a run of, of Nightmare Mode and probably got to the second or third level. Um, and I, I hit a hang up in Nightmare Mode where I, I tried to do one of those Slayer Key challenges yeah and it almost broke me man Dude. The, the very first slayer key challenge in nightmare mode almost broke me <laughs> i played through it on ultra violence and i did a stream of nightmare and i was like well you know i know it's going to be tough ultra violence was tough um but like i think i'm ready i've been playing a lot of doom eternal and just immediately it's insane and those slayer gate challenges they're like some of my favorite parts of the game for sure but when you say they almost broke you uh that makes a lot of sense it's, Hubert it's Oops, sorry, I'm probably not gonna not gonna do any more of them just because they there weren't even any big enemies yet and mm. I was still struggling just because of like the uh, the arachnotrons and uh, you know hell knights so they I love that the Slayer Gates introduce enemies that you haven't fought yet yeah it's such a great oh shit moment when you go in there and you're like wait a minute what and then you don't see what them until this? way later in the in the game. <laughs> Uh, Huber, how's it been treating you, especially coming off of Doom 2016? Phenomenal. Uh, everything about Doom Eternal is just so big. It's just, everything is big, man. It's like, just the gun is big. Like, when you go up and you glory kill something, it's like in your face and big. It's loud. It's bloody. Like, everything about it is just so much. And I'm all about that. Uh, and, and of course, just like the gameplay stuff, like I'm really into the platforming, really into the secrets. Um, you know, some, the, the, the one thing I want to get, because I haven't watched your, your review yet, Ben. Mm -hmm. I want to get your thoughts on um, the tools you use to take out certain enemies. Yeah. I really love that. But at the same time, like every time I see one of the one-eyed dudes having to switch to the shotgun and shoot a grenade in its mouth. Like that can feel kind of like a routine. Mm. Would, but, but at the same time, I also love that. I love scanning a room, seeing like five different demons, factoring all that math in my head of like, all right, I got to use this on this, this on this. So it's like, I love it, but it can also be a little, little routine. What do you think? Um, I think, I think that was one of my biggest problems with Doom 2016 is by the end of the game, I just felt like glory kills were so routine, right? Um, mm -hmm. where 
it, I kind of just shot a thing enough until it flashed and I killed it. What I like about Doom Eternal is I actually like that dissection. So like the Cacodemons, like you're mentioning, they made some really interesting decisions with them where it's like, yeah, you're always going to be shooting some sort of grenade in its mouth probably, but them eating it and gulping it and then flashing takes so much time that when you're in the midst of a battle, you really have to think about it. You have to be like, okay, when should I do this? And sometimes if you have the super, super shotgun or, you know, like the sniper gun, I, not the heavy machine gun, the laser one, I forget what it's called. Zoom is the trying ballista? to give me gifts. Yeah, there you go, the ballista. Sometimes it's better to just use that um, rather than go through the lengthy animation of like firing a grenade in the mouth, having them eat it. And so I love breaking it down like that. Um, and I find that those like micro decisions can make a huge deal. Nice. Um, so I get yeah, what you mean. So, yeah, full disclosure, I'm only on mission five, everybody. I'm only on mission five. I haven't been able to play that much. Gotcha. Ultra violence. Uh, Jones, you played 2016 recently, right? Uh, yeah, I, well, I, I, not like recently as in the last like couple months, but I definitely took my sweet time getting back into that. I didn't mm -hmm. finish it, but, uh, I think it's interesting, Mitch, you say it's faster because like, that was definitely, I, I felt like, um, you know, uh, I, I can't compare, you know, uh, maybe like quake or some old stuff like unreal tournament you know it's like there's i just didn't really grow up on a lot of those like pc shooters so it was just mm -hmm. like really fast and, and and like some of my first shooters were like you know halo is, is pretty frenetic but like there's a lot of big fields you know there's a lot of vehicle play and like obviously like golden eye was one of like my first real like loves of like a first person shooter and there's like a lot of very like like quick or a lot of very um uh, slow tactical stealth in that game. And so just playing this where it's just like run, jump, go, 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 go. Yeah. Uh, definitely took me a while to adapt to, but it's fun to like adapt to a pace of a game. That's not like your usual, you know, uh, speed. It's interesting to kind of like, you know, be like shocked by it initially. And then like over a bit of time, you like feel like, Oh, I've really like adjusted to this. And then you get comfortable with it. And then you really start to enjoy it. And then you get good at it. Um, and so, yeah, that's just something, I mean, it just, again, on a, just a colossal backlog of things that like one of these days I got to go back and finish, but it sounds uh, like I should maybe jump onto eternal. Yeah, man. It's, it's a bounty full of riches right now. Like it's anything that you, there's so many options that you can play and they're almost all pretty much tens. Um, we're going to get into some of those, but you mentioned quake. And I think that's such a good game to bring up because you think about like doom, doom one, two, three, doom 64, they're all like very flat games. Uh, Doom 2016, obviously not as flat, but compared to Doom Eternal, it's so vertical. I mean, when you're in these arenas, you have these poles that you're swinging from. You have the grappling hook with the shotgun, which is so satisfying to land. One um, of the best weapons in video games. Oh, for easily. Sure. Easily. Shout out to the very first introduction of the pinky in Doom Eternal. Yeah. You <laughs> launch on a, you go on a launch pad and you're airborne and it's like right down there and i had the super shotgun and i just launched and in midair was just like yeah. also, i yeah. don't remember is it is it a rune that you need to get that slows down time when you when you uh chain onto something is, or is that just I, I, or the like aim in midair yes think? and it's yeah. like yeah. the most essential rune in the game yeah oh my god I think it's amazing. when you're when you're able to latch onto something with the super sh shotgun and you're you're going towards yes. it it's it's all getting slow motion it's 
blasted Dude, so explodes in your face the best feeling i've had in 2020 playing video games that will be the next rune i get mitch yes <laughs> i don't have to get it yet. you don't have the slowdown I'll... one in midair no oh my god dude it's life-changing also also i i don't know how i i would have survived this game if i didn't have the one that kind of gives you uh it slows down time when you're about to die and it mm -hmm. gives you ch a chance to like run away and get mm -hmm. some health also a necessity i feel like nice uh yeah the 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 death rune another one that i really loved is the one that uh reduces cooldown time on tools like grenades so if you kill yeah. things while they're under the effect of a grenade because you or at least i came to rely on those freeze grenades like a lot uh especially later on just slowing things the hell down sometimes i guess i'll just have to do a cheat code sometimes i just want to use only the super shotgun <laughs> sure yeah Rip. You don't say, Huber. You don't say. <laughs> you know what's fun, Huber? I'm always out of ammo, but I love that. I love just bouncing around with weapons, Ben. It's and like running out, and then you realize, like, oh shit, I haven't chainsawed someone in like a minute, and I mm -hmm. have no bullets. <laughs> I do. There were times I used the chainsaw like just to get through an attack of something, because <laughs> you're invulnerable while you're chainsawing somebody, and it's so worthwhile. And like you mentioned, the pinky. And again, like the design of this game is fascinating to me. Like I'd love to get Hugo on here and just geek out about design. Like because you, the pinkies are such a pain in the ass to kill, you have to get behind them, or you can just blood punch them. Yeah. But if you blood punch them, you're taking away a valuable to tool from other things, and so everything just has this awesome give and take. Um, but you mentioned like wanting to use the super shotgun. <laughs> Something else that I love is you unlock these cheat codes, and so you can go back and replay levels. And they're like, play it on whatever difficulty you want. And so if you're just trying to complete a challenge or whatever, sometimes it's fun to just bump it all the way down, throw on some cheat codes, and only use the super shotgun. Yeah. Um, That's awesome. Which is fun. That's hype, Ben. Yeah. I also really... Here's something they completely changed my mind on. I'm usually not a fan of things like this, but the Sentinel armor, Ben. Mm. Sentinel armor hype. Because... You're talking about the the dying and then using dying someone. a ton of times, mm -hmm. and it's like, hey, do you want to use this armor? Mm -hmm. And at first, I was like, what? Like, I'm, I'm I want to get through this on ultra violence, but then I kept dying at this one part, and it was like a really annoying part. And I was I died like six times or something, mm -hmm. and uh, I like that it just kind of gives you like a little bump, a little push to go through a really hard part. Uh, because then, of course, there's like Ultra Nightmare where if you die once, it's over. So there's just right. like a nice balance throughout for kind of all varying skill levels. Right. So uh, along Go those ahead. lines, do you mind if I ask you a question with uh, regards to how you feel about uh, how handholdy uh, Doom Eternal is at times? Like every every new enemy you encounter, mm -hmm. by default, there's a pop up that says, "Hey, this is how you beat this guy." Even mm -hmm. like bosses, it like specifically yeah. says, "Shoot this part." Don't shoot him when he's doing this. It's like literally a, a GameFAQs-esque guide on how to beat every enemy sometimes. Uh, how yeah. do you guys feel about that? I It doesn't bother me. I have seen that criticism going around. It hasn't bothered me because I feel like the information is secondary to the like skill of practicing the tip. So like right. the game will give you the tip, but you still have to use your skill to overcome the enemies you know it's one thing to like tell you how to do it but then you actually have to do it so i guess it hasn't really bothered me personally 
I'm actually really glad that you brought that up, Mitch. That's a good yeah. criticism. Yeah. Um, I think when it comes to the bosses, it's a little unnecessary. Um, I, d- I can definitely think of like two or three boss encounters where it's like, I, based on how you designed this fight, I probably could have figured that out and that would have been more satisfying. I think with the general enemies, it's not a problem because a lot of times they will sort of game facts you through one solution, but there are four or five other solutions or it's like the thing that they're telling you applies to many things. And so I feel like it's just kind of a foot in the door into getting you to think along the right way. But I do think it is overkill with the bosses. For sure. No, I, I totally agree. And also, as, as I'm sure people are bringing up, it's something that you can turn off if it bothers you in the, sure. in the options, which I very much oh. appreciate. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I'd be annoyed with it for the boss fights. I haven't progressed far enough for, mm. for that to be an issue yet. But for the, the basic enemies, it was just like so quick. And then you just, all right, now I know that tip. I just got to do it. Um, I do really like the flexibility of Doom Eternal. Like, Huber, you mentioned the Sentinel armor. Uh, the extra lives, I think, are a really interesting mechanic where, f- first of all, they're so valuable just being able to instantly revive in the middle of a fight, but then it's like, okay, here's this other thing that I have to go and chase, and there have been times, I love when sort of, like, breaking down the fight, like we were talking about, how to pick off enemies, applies to level navigation because those slayer gates which are so brutal there would be times where like i'm not going to pick up the extra lives now i'm going to get them come back later and then do it for the slayer gate because if i use them in the slayer gate like they're gone or if i you know have a dumb death they're gone and so just kind of like mentally trying to keep track of that currency i thought was really really fun yeah, the only cool. thing I wish that happened with extra lives it's, is that they would ask you if you wanted to use it when you died. Because oh, there sure. are times where you just you mm-hmm. die on a very easy, stupid encounter, and you're like, oh, well, now I don't have it, have it for this super hard encounter that's coming up next. Sure. Uh, which is kind of a bummer. Totally. Or maybe like tiered lives. There's like one that automatically uses or like a gold version that yeah. is like, all right, do you want to use this? Maybe. Yeah. I get that. Uh, Mitch, I saw that you have this love-hate relationship with the Marauders. Oh, I kind of want to Marauders. Yeah, I want to get into this. Yeah, I hate Marauders. This is one of those things you hear people talking about. It's like I got no footing on this. I I want I want both sides. Fight, fight, fight. I want to know. Uh, yeah. I so here's the thing. I I I learned later that there is, a, there is an easy way to take down Marauders, and it involves using the quick switch, where you, mm-hmm. you, you hit them with the, the super shotgun, you quickly switch to the ballista, you switch back to the super shotgun, you do two rotations of that, they're dead. Yep. Uh, I didn't know that when, uh, when I was playing pre-release Doom Eternal. And so my, my main strategy it basically was the same every time. You kill everyone else in the room, and then it just becomes this desperate run for your life where you hit them with you, they they charge in you hit them with the shotgun uh you, sh- you shoot them twice you run away collect whatever armor that you need because they probably end up hitting you with something uh in the meantime and then it just ends up taking like five minutes just for one enemy mm-hmm. and it, it just in a, in a game where everything else is so good and i love fighting every single other enemy i dreaded every every fight that i had with a marauder yeah i i I totally get it because I there especially early on like I dreaded the Marauders as well but it was a feeling that I really came to appreciate. I don't think there was anything in the game 
that I dreaded as much as the Marauder. And sometimes I, I like having that feeling. I like when an enemy pops up and I just feel like my heart sink into my stomach. Um, and I think they kind of epitomize what Doom Eternal does well, where early on I was just like, okay, this is bullshit. This fucking dog, it's way too fast. It's always there. <laughs> But you learn how to deal with it. You learn to expect the dog and get rid of it quickly. You learn how to stagger them uh, with the ballista and the shotgun. Like you, you do get better. And then it got to a point where I was like, you know, it's really not that bad. Me clearing a room and then dealing with the marauder, and they're not taking as long. And so I, I liked that process. But I, I am sympathetic to the frustration <laughs> for sure. And Huber, you haven't got quite gotten there yet, right? No, I'm at the rot gore, blood gore nest. Super gore it? nest. I'm at the super gore nest. I'm curious to get uh, your take on it. It was like 4 a.m. when I got there last night, nice. and I was like, I need to go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, talk to me really quick about how you guys felt about handling the secrets, Huber. I'm, I'm curious. I know you're kind of a look at a map, oh, yeah. do everything. Has that oh, been true baby. for Jim Eternal? How has it been for you? Oh, yeah love those secrets the first uh the first thing i unlocked uh i didn't you know the first suit upgrades i didn't give a shit about my grenades or guns or anything i went straight for exploration unlocked all of that stuff like bigger map more revealing map like i'm always about exploring and finding and and combing the areas so i actually really love how long the levels are i was not expecting each level to be this like full course meal so to speak it's like every time you boot i boot up a level it's like a, a like a, a one and done you know like one level a night type of thing because mm -hmm. it's just there's so much to do there's so much to dig into on each level yeah. by the time i'm done i'm like all right good for the night <laughs> i definitely had that feeling as well uh it was not a game that i felt like i could just play for 12 hours straight like i would do a slayer gate yeah. Be cursing at my screen yeah. and then stop and be like, you know what? That was awesome. I need to stop for a second. Uh, yeah. But I really appreciate, I feel like, I feel like big budget games are too chicken shit to do that. Like I love mm -hmm. how much this gets in there and is like, no, like we're going to, we're going to push you. We're going to make totally. you frustrated. I, I the like that. Uh, me too, dude. I'm glad you're saying that because the difficulty I feel like is so important. Mm -hmm. And I want to circle back to like the Sentinel armor because I feel like ultra violence is such a perfect difficulty for my skill level. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoy, enjoy being pushed and fighting for my life on every fight in that game. Every time I get to a fight, it is so intense. But then of course I'll run into like maybe one really, 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 really hard part and I'll die a lot. And then mm -hmm. I'll be like, hey, do you just want help on this one part? Right. So yeah, I just think the, the difficulty is is spot on and the game really pushes you for the best. It pushes you, but it doesn't leave you behind, right? Like you're yeah. talking about the Sentinel, Sentinel armor. And it doesn't, it, it feels like the compromises that it makes, you know, being able to switch the difficulty at any time, being able to uh, turn on cheat codes and return to missions, it, it doesn't feel like it's undermining itself either. Like you're still learning, you're still getting better, all that stuff. Man, playing through an ultraviolence was so That's, good. So I think is that is that one death ultraviolence? No, or, I mean, no, um, ultra nightmares. Ultra nightmare. Ultra nightmare I mean. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think what's really cool about the way the the difficulty of Doom Eternal is designed also is that it's designed 
to constantly bring you to the brink of death. Yeah. And so when you when you're able to make it through, it feels so good because you you, you feel like you survived something that you shouldn't have. Right. <laughs> and that and that happens on nearly every encounter. Yeah. Which you know, by the time I got through Ultraviolence, I felt like a god at this game yeah. because because of the fact that like, you know, I I survived so many close calls. Yep. Um, which is just it's so satisfying. When you get the glory kill flash on the Marauder and just like that, like mashing shift to sprint over to him and yeah. finally take him out. Yeah. Oh, I wish I could play on PC. Shout out to the PS4 Pro version though for looking and running phenomenal. So that's the pro, not the base. I don't know how the base runs, but I'm playing on pro and it, it looks and runs perfectly. Yeah, I think shout out so to impressed. the PC version also yes. because yeah. the optimization of that game yeah. is amazing. I feel like with Doom Eternal, rightfully so, a lot of the conversation is going to be dominated by the combat and the design and, and the flow of everything. But I was capturing music for the review and, you know, I was just sitting there not doing anything because I was just trying to get the sound. And I took a second and it was just this like bone stairway up into this castle. And there were just corpses littered on both sides. And I was like, what a scene this is. Like the way everything is perfectly positioned, like the lighting in this area, how imposing the view looks in front of me. Like so much care went into the presentation. And I hope that doesn't get lost in the shuffle of praise of the other stuff for sure it's it's a gorgeous game i think um mitch did you mess around with battle mode at all i did not unfortunately i'm not i'm not much of a multiplayer gamer when it comes to first person shooters unfortunately Mm. um so for me doom eternal is entirely about the single player it's okay um i really like the idea i i think especially playing as the demons and kind of working around their shortcomings and trying to like use your teammate to help pin down the Doomslayer is really fun. Uh, but Huber, you were talking about this with Resident Evil Resistance, where you were like, there's just not enough maps. I kind of have that same feeling with battle mode, where it's like, man, a lot of these arenas feel A, really small and kind of similar. Like There just needs to be something else here to make you want to keep coming back. Um, yeah. That's sure. always like, it, it it seems like a small ask, but I guess it must be a big one, right? Because I feel like multiplayer games just never launch with enough enough maps, you know, mm. battle royale aside. But like, deathmatch games, I don't know, like Battlefield had just a limited number, and yeah, Project Resistance is only launching with a few. So, I would like to do some private matches with like the allies, you and Brad, and just see if that just just playing it with friends would change my opinion on it all but yeah it's it's okay i hope i hope it gets better i want to keep playing and i do think the rewards that you get so it has like a battle pass uh kind of mode so it is it is kind of playing copycat there but i do think the things that you unlock some of the skins there's a marauder skin and a doomslayer skin kind of later on in the tiers that i really like and i think the weekly challenges offer yet another incentive to kind of hop back into missions and try around, play around with things. And something I really like about the weekly challenges is they tend to focus on specific weapon mods. So it's like, oh man, I really haven't been using the micro-missiles that much. I got to use the micro-missiles to do this challenge. It shows you the power of that mod um, and makes your just your, your combat loop that much stronger when you can add another tool into it. So I do I do like it from that 
aspect. But Doom, dude. Doom, dude. Doom, dude. I want DLC, and I want it right now. <laughs> I would love to I do an Ultra Nightmare dual run. Dual 2080 TIs. <laughs> yeah. That's what I want. Yeah. Uh, I want to play it on the IMAX. I've been playing a Half-Life Alex on Ultra Fidelity, and it's like, are, <sighs> are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, man, just, I don't care if it melts. <laughs> just make it happen. Um... Going on the opposite end of the spectrum, somebody who hasn't had a chance to talk yet, but I'm sure has a lot to say about this very special game. Brandon Jones, hit me up with Animal Crossing New Horizon. <laughs> Which, they, there is a strange synergy between these two games. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they have had a wonderful relationship. It's funny how this doesn't usually happen with games that launch on the same release date. It's like, I can't recall two other games that were just kind of married in this way. They were just so completely opposite and just absolutely every single possible design philosophy you could think of um but yeah animal crossing was uh my absolute you know most anticipated game of 2020 uh it was i I was really proud of myself you know when you like get like when you stick to a fandom and you're really happy when the fandom like finally pays off Mm -hmm. i like i like I, i have not friended a lot of people on switch and i'm like friending a lot of people from the community and i forgot i like booted it up and my avatar from like the the day i got a switch was tom nook it was just like when i first booted up those images i was like oh yeah tom nook of course and i just love he's just been staring at me on my switch like the whole time like one of these days this is gonna pay off um and uh yeah this is a weird game to review yeah because i'm trying to think of like when and, and especially just the, in our anniversary week and all the stuff going on this week i haven't had like a ton of time i like didn't even get all my fossils yesterday and it's like i failed you know like i'm not <laughs> um like ian's like way farther than i am in the game um but it is so interesting because i think the thing that uh is really standing out for me that i keep coming back to when i really try to think of like what it is about animal crossing and why i appreciate the game not just new horizons but just kind of like what the game is trying to achieve is, you know, you were talking, you know, uh, Huber about the first time that you encountered that enemy type, you know, you're like flying over him with a shotgun or like the first time you find an environment in Doom. And and uh, it's so interesting the first time you see something in this game and how it paces itself out over several days. And it just is a feeling unlike any other game that I've ever played, just in terms of how surprised you are, you know, every single time you just like crack something open of a, you know, this drops from a balloon or like a neighbor being like, Oh, Hey, I'm meaning to see you. Here's this thing. And you're like, Oh my God, I didn't even know this thing existed. I'm kind of glad I didn't play city folk in the week. Cause I think if there was any new items they added to that game, like it's all new to me going through this. Um, but it, I, the only bummer is I'm playing it docked, like, all, you know, uh, 99% of the times I'm capturing all the footage for the review. Mm-hmm. And so I can't wait to, I finally like the other night, Amanda and I just kind of like cuddled up in bed and like had, you know, both had our switches out. It was just like way too late. Like I know I'm going to get up at like midnight or 1am to have to feed Milo. And I'm just like, it's like nine 45, 10. I'm like, oof, I'm, I'm pushing it. I'm going to have to get it, but I just got to, got to go, got to run into her town before that store closes and sell these oranges. Um, it's, it's funny. a funny thing to be obsessed with. It's funny that you mentioned City Folk because in preparation for New Horizons, uh, we were playing some City Folk. And the philosophy of those games, I mean, obviously the core of it is very similar, but in City Folk, you get access to the city and you kind of get this huge place and there's a bunch of different things that you can do and interact with. Whereas New Horizons, 
I feel like it is really piecemealing everything out where it's like, all right, we got to build this museum. We got to build this town hall. We got to, and it, it is intentionally much slower, which I don't personally mind, uh, but I know it has been a criticism for some. How do you feel about it, Brandon? It's weird. It's slow and super fast at the same time. You get to design stuff immediately. Mm-hmm. Like immediately, you get your phone and boom, there it is. You know, like so, and so you can make you know d- uh, designs to put them up on the wall. You can make stuff and just make these kind of temporary sleeveless shirts if you want. Um, I felt that you get a lot of tools. I remember, like for some reason, especially in the first Animal Crossing, like and again, I have not. Uh, I played the DS and the 3DS, but I didn't play it on Wii. Um, even just something like an axe or a shovel, like took a day or two. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't something that the game would give you right away. And I, I felt, I felt like the tools they wanted to give you. Um, and to me, the trade-off is so worth it because all of the stuff that it does take time to get. It was funny seeing people like that. You know, like the second or third day where they're just like, "I want this museum to open already." And it's like, "There's so much to do, man. Just calm yeah. down. <laughs> you know, it's fine. Like you'll get the museum. It's beautiful. It's worth it." You're going to be playing of all of the days you're going to be playing this game. This is one day that you won't have this thing. Uh, you know, go play Doom Eternal. It's fine. You know, um, uh, do, like today I'm waiting for something, you know, to open tomorrow, like my residence center or something. And so I'm just like, oh, I had to like get ready, like to prepare. Like, hey, me too. It's not going to be there tomorrow. <laughs> um, but uh, I think just it, the payoff is, is uh, so worth it in terms of all of the customization that you can do where you actually are picking like, no, I want my neighbors to live here. Uh, and there's no right answer to it. It's really been interesting going into, you know, communities uh, or, or islands from our community and seeing something that they did that's so opposite from what I did. But I love it, you know, like mm-hmm. where uh, I, I was like, OK, I want to have all of the functionality, kind of like City Folk. I want to have all the functionality around the main plaza. And then I want everybody to be outside of that. I want everybody to be on like peripheries of the island. I want them all to be separate because everybody's coming to here, you know, to they're on vacation. They want to relax. So I don't want to like cram everybody together. And then I went to one person's island and they made like a neighborhood where like all the, t- all the houses were right next to each other. And like they put fences and a little road. And I was like, yes, <laughs> this is so cool. Like you can kind of get a sense that like they're all, you know, like we're all in this together. We're all building this community. I went to one person's town and like a quarter of their island where there were no trees at all. And you would think that would be so boring and barren, but like I was kind of into the vibe. I was like, this is kind of cool. Like you could make this style really interesting. And then at the same time, I would just go to somebody else's town and like I would lose my character in trees. I'm just like, I don't even know where I am anymore. Um, and so it's it's really interesting. You know, it uh, uh, you don't really realize how much you can do. And I know there's a lot of people that, that have the Switch that like, again, if you were like me before, you know, I booted up Animal Crossing, you know, I did not do a lot of multiplayer. I did not do... Um, a, a lot of co-op stuff. I, I did not have a lot of friends or a lot of cause to. And so it's been really interesting visiting a lot of, you know, other people and seeing somebody who's like, I am just absolutely obsessed with outfits. I'm, I'm upset. You know, somebody like Ray Luaz was just like, I am just making art piece after art piece after art piece. Um, somebody who's just like totally taking it slow or somebody who's just like, you know, like money, money, money. That's like all I really care about. You were, uh, all of you guys were so funny in chat with, with the, because I was busy on Sunday and so I didn't get a chance to get turnips. And then just like our, we have like our own Animal Crossing channel in Slack, and it was just like turnips, and I'm like, oh, that's right, I forgot. I'm reviewing this. I got to make a note. I, for, I forgot those were even in the game. You know, it's been a while. I, so I don't like, think there's anything this year that I've felt so frantic about as somebody <laughs> on Discord getting high turnip prices and being like, this is it. This is my moment. This is where I make bank. <laughs> it really was a huge deal for me. Um, Brandon, some of the quality of life changes are 
just chef's kiss, like being able to go into your house and having that grid and having everything move around so easily uh, is wonderful. But I feel like there are a lot of things, right, that are the same or kind of <clears throat> add to the, what's the best way to phrase this? Add to the struggle of Animal Crossing, uh, such as like weapon durability. So I guess in a broad picture, how do you, do you feel like New Horizons is, is a good evolution? Do you like all the changes? Do you wish there were things there they could have changed more? Uh, how do you feel about weapon durability? Uh, weapon durability hasn't bothered me that much. There was definitely a point uh, where I hit, um, where I realized like, okay, I'm gonna have a 30 stack of wood and a 30 stack of these like nuggets. Like there's gonna be in my inventory all the time, <laughs> you know? So like if I ever need like, oh, something broke, I can just like have another option or just like run and shake a couple trees, you know, build another one. Um, and so, yeah, I, I haven't really got to the point where, because the thing about weapon durability, just like in Breath of the Wild, like there I realize I set the tone off for this in a weird way. Weapon durability, it's, they're not yeah, really weapon. weapons, they're yeah. tools, but <laughs> it's an you axe, know what man. I mean. It's an axe. Yeah. You can do a lot of damage with that axe. You can break somebody's yeah. heart with that axe. Yeah. Uh, but it, yeah, I, I'm... I need to play more to try to get a sense of what they were going for there, like what the vibe was. Cause like there was, I understand that like you, you definitely get a sense of uh, ownership and, and satisfaction when you do get to make better things. But then I just kind of hit, you know, a plateau where it's like, okay, now I can just make an ax, a fishing pole. Mm -hmm. It's just weird that those things break uh, when other things don't. So yeah, I haven't necessarily seen the payoff. The big downfall for me is um, it's just, just, generally talking with people is just very cumbersome there's just some systems in there that i think once you get past the initial how do you do it's just like okay i just blathers please i just need yeah. to drop these off man <laughs> like like orville yeah. i just like one thing that was a bummer because i was going to a lot of uh islands from our community was like i wish from one friend's island i could go to another friend's island but like i gotta go back to like to my house and like there's a lot or my island and there's a lot of a lot of conversations that will just stop. Like, I'll be like, okay, time to talk to this person, like Sahara, and buy a bunch of stuff. And it's like, oh, you bought a rug later. And I'm like, Sahara, I want a wallpaper. And she's like, what? Oh, okay. And it's like, yes, I want to buy a wallpaper. And she's like, okay, cool, bye. And it's like, I want to buy another thing. You know, like just like always websites 101, like I'll always go back to home, always go back to the option and then let, let me let me bail on that. Um, so there's just like for all of the charm that they have in it, sometimes there's like a little too much charm um in terms of just like how much uh you know orville like what do you want to do like i want to travel how do you want to travel i want to go over here do you want to go online yes i want to go online what do you want to go and you're just like yes oh, please man there should just be a list <laughs> you know and like but i wonder if um because i think this is you know has the potential to be the most updatable of any of the animal crossings i wonder if that's something that uh, nintendo will take to heart and maybe do some quality of life improvements um, uh jones my biggest heartbreak more with with New Horizons is I love running around with people online. It's so much fun. Uh, but it is a huge bummer when people are coming into your island and they're like, okay, close the window. Okay, they're coming in. Okay, now you have to watch the screen where they're landing. And then that person just gets in and then another person gets in. It just, it is so, it's such a Nintendo specific kind of cumbersome. Like, of course it's like this. Uh, but it does kind of dampen the fun a little bit. I mean, once you get everybody in there, it's a blast. And I love running around uh, with other people. And just the, the connectedness of this game, I think, is, is awesome. But as you mentioned, 
with blathers and the just the whole like getting on the airplane. I do feel like some of that stuff could be smoothed out and it would be fine. Uh, Hubert, I want I want a shirt that says Nintendo specific kind of cumbersome. Yes, and everyone would immediately know what that means. Yes, you don't even have to qualify it. Like everybody understands. Yeah, uh, Huber. What is Yo. your history? I don't even know, like, what is the deal with you and Animal Crossing? I have no idea. Played the original. Okay. That's about it. Played the original. Haven't played one since. Because uh, the next one was on 3DS, right? It was GameCube 3DS? GameCube DS, Wii 3DS. Just played GameCube, yeah. Gotcha. Just played the GameCube one. Uh, really liked it. And love everything it stands for. You were talking about the connectedness, and mm. I just, you know, go online and see animal crossing connecting everyone to one another and that's it's magical like it, that game is having a moment right now yeah uh that will not be necessarily replicated in the future like just with everything that's going on and and it's the timing of the release and we've been waiting for a, a animal crossing for so long it just seems like really great vibes uh huber i'm so glad that you brought that point up because I knew I was going to like Animal Crossing New Horizons, and I, I think it is a great game in its own merit. I really believe that, and I could go into that. But I also think it coming out now is really fascinating, and I, I value it probably even more than I would have, where sometimes I'm just playing it, and I take a step back, and I'm like, hey, thanks for chilling me the fuck out. Like, I really <laughs> needed this right now. Like, I really yeah. just needed to go around and shake trees. I just needed it right now in this moment in time and I, I feel like that doesn't get to happen too often where real world events and video games line up in just such a way uh, and I do think that is definitely happening now Mitch, it's been very surprising for me oh I'm sorry no nope. I'm gonna cut you off man go for Suck it, it. Go for uh, it. <laughs> it's been really interesting for me too because I uh was just so, you know, uh, like you were there, Ben, and you were there, Hubert. I was just, you know, livid the entire time. Where I'm just like, why, why are we this far along in the Switch life? You know, the, the life of the Switch, we still don't have Animal Crossing. Like, Animal Crossing is the game we should have been playing this whole time. You know, it's like I'm excited to get New Mario. I'm excited to get, you know, Zelda. These are phenomenal games. New Yoshi. New Yoshi, of course, several Yoshis. But it's like uh, I was just surprised because it does take, you know, it takes at least a year, you know, to see a lot of this stuff. You know, these holidays are coming and going, and I'm like, it's a bummer that I'm not getting the chance, like, to play an Animal Crossing. It's going to be weird, you know, if potentially there is like some upgraded Switch that, you know, maybe potentially some games are exclusive for, and yet still, it's like we're still only like, you know, nine or ten months into this, and then bam, this game lands at the absolute most perfect time. You know that Animal Crossing could be introduced to the world, and so it's interesting because you do have to get into a particular kind of mindset. Mm -hmm. And the thing that's so wonderful is uh, I always bring up the story. And apologies to, to viewers that like have heard the story before, but like the quintessential Amanda Troop pace gameplay story is uh, I I was like Fable Two has female protagonists now. You got to play Fable Two, and uh, the Fable Two starts with the hallway, and there's nothing you can do in the hallway. You got to walk down the end of the hallway, and the guy there's a guy putting on a puppet show, and she went to every door, and I was like, none of these doors open. You just go down the end of the hallway. Like I'm busy, I got to do something. Else. And she just checked every door, and so it's like Animal Crossing is her like she shakes every tree and that's there's no wrong way you know really to play this game mm -hmm. it's just kind of when you want to speed up the process that's when it gets frustrating when you want when something's not going to happen for the next day or when you got to wait during a cutscene for something to happen but if you if it's for just the right kind of player when it hits that groove 
when you see, when you go to somebody's island and you're like, this took patience, you know? And I know people can time travel, but it's like, even with time travel, man, like you can't time travel it know a tree planting you know it's like you, the growing yeah but it's like figuring out how all of this was going to work you know like you had a vision man <laughs> it's it's really interesting to see um how that works but um and now i will acquiesce to Mick. <laughs> uh quick question because this is this is really going to affect my mood so when people are moving in and i'm building like essential things I'm doing it under the assumption, like, oh, I'm going to be able to change all this later. Like, I'm going to be able to place my idyllic town later. That's true, right? Like, I haven't yes. gone to... Okay. I thought I'm so. I'm not sure about your house and other people's houses, but I went to an island yesterday and somebody's like, moving my museum. And it takes a, a day for the museum sure. to, to, to rebuild in someplace else. But, like, if you can move a waterfall, I imagine you can move. You can, like, convince your elephant friend. Like, can you just go over <laughs> just a little bit to the left? That'd be great. Yeah, it's okay if I can't move my house. My house is dope as hell, so that's fine. Oh, I want to like... move my house so bad. Especially because I, there was no way to move it where I want to move it. I want to move it up into the, the mountains. You know, I want to get all the way back up there. Wayne Manor up on a cliff. <laughs> Dude. Uh, Mitch, where do you fall with Animal Crossing? Uh, I love Animal Crossing. I'm playing it super casually right mm -hmm. now. Um, it's, it, my switch is sitting on my, my dresser next to my bed. And I just like, you know, as I'm going to sleep, I just reach over, grab it, play until I'm sleepy then put it down and then just, you know, knock out. Mm -hmm. Um, so <laughs> it's funny. This is, I, th I feel like this is the, maybe I'm wrong with this. I feel like this is like one of the first animal crossings when there's a, you know, abundance of social media platforms out there. Yeah. So this is my first time really going to check Twitter and seeing pictures of everyone else's animal, animal crossing uh, villages and houses and all that stuff. And I'm not going to lie. It makes me feel a little inadequate. Yeah. Inadequate. Oh, totally. <laughs> totally, <laughs> dude. Yeah, yes. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm, re I'm reviewing it. So I see people that are like, you know, just way ahead of me that are just like, do, do, do. Every, like, oh, look at this thing. I'm like, every oh. social media animal crossing post is a humble brag. Yeah. Some of them are not humble brags. Some of them are overt. I'm king of the mountain brags. Uh, Mitch. And, and so the, the funny thing is, like, you know, a, a big part of Animal Crossing is, is obviously the online. And I'm just so, <laughs> I'm so self-conscious. I don't want to let anyone into my town because I, I'm like, there's nothing here for you. You're going to be bored. There's so many better towns you can be going to. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely have had that feeling many times where you get somebody who comes in and like just the way their appearance is better than like your entire island, right? Like just their clothes and yeah. they're just, they just poke around for a bit and they leave. Yeah, definitely feel that. It's funny for that like, you mentioned yeah. playing it casually because the degree in which people play Animal Crossing has been amazing. And I've, I've fallen yeah. into this as well, where you get people who are like, oh yeah, you know, I've just put 24 hours in the last two days. <laughs> it's like, what? What are you doing? What were you doing? <laughs> yeah, it's great. But yeah, I, I love Animal Crossing. I love the the uh, the space it occupies on my Switch as, as just a game that I can play for an hour or two, put down and just not think about for the rest of the day. Um, so yeah, I think, it's, I think it's awesome. Now I want to come to your town. I'm gonna you write don't. on your bulletin board. You don't. That's town. the point I'm trying to make. No yeah. one wants to come to my town. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's a good game. Uh, Brandon, you mentioned the the difficulty of trying to review something like this, and I totally get it. 
I think Half-Life Alex is going to be a difficult review for completely different reasons. Um, but with Animal Crossing and it kind of filling that space, especially right now, I think sometimes when a game is giving you comfort, that's different than a game being good, right? And so how do you kind of thread the needle uh, on, on the evaluation? Well, it's been really nice seeing other people's islands and getting a sense of like how they're being fulfilled, you mm. know, like how th what they're enjoying and how, you know, how they are expressing themselves creatively. Um, because like even just the even just on Tuesday, like going to Ian's place and just like, oh, I'm okay, I'm doing this all wrong. You know, like sometimes I'll see somebody working on something and I think, okay, th this is fun. I'm not going to do that on my island, but that's really creative that you did that. And then other times I'll be like, that's, yeah, that's smart. That's a, either an efficient way to do something or just design wise. I like it. Um, I think I, uh, I, this is horrible because I might, I don't know when this is scheduled and I don't know if it's like a monthly thing or if I just have to slowly like get stuff unlocked to get to that point. Cause I have missed two days. There were, there were two days that passed where I was like, there's a thing I could have done that I didn't do yesterday. Mm -hmm. And so that's why like a couple of people like are ahead of me, you know, if they're not just like cracking the game open. Um, but like, it, if I don't have KK Slider in this review, what's the point? What's the point? What's the, what's the point? What's the point? If, yeah. I don't, if I'm not drinking, a, sipping a, a latte and hanging out and listening to KK play, yeah. why even, why is this video even on the internet right now? So it's, if, I think, I think that if I, once I capture a clip that's called a crossing underscore KK underscore slider, then I'm like, I did it. I done. I get, roll credits. I finished it. It's just like Bossman. Once he put a toilet down in the world, he's like, I'm done. What else there is to do? In delete this from switch. Yeah. Um, and so there's no way, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm not going to do any holidays. There's like no exciting holidays coming up. It's like, I'm not going to do, you know, uh, obviously I'm looking forward to like having experiencing Halloween in this world, but like, and Christmas and whatnot, but like, I'm not going to get a fireworks show. Like there's a lot of things that I know are not going to be included in this video. It's just a question of, it's kind of like an MMO, you know, it's like, you can't like, maybe you can get to 60, but that's just one class, you know? And, like, so you're not going to be able to, like, do everything. You're not going to be able to, like, really experience everyone else's individual experience. And so it's just, you, you really kind of got to look at the arc of your journey and what those, what points you wanted to go slower or faster. Um, and just at, at whenever, you know, you um, weren't necessarily frustrated, but you, like, went the roller coaster, when you, like, felt your emotions go up and then all of a sudden they dipped. Uh, it hasn't happened a lot, but it's just, again, it's just really those interactions where I just kind of chuckle and I'm like, okay, this is, this, this game still has a little bit of growing up to do. It's one thing to simulate talking to people and it's another thing to make a video game fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, there's, there, there's definitely some things that they could do. Like, I love Orville, man, at the airport, but I could still just, Orville, just let me use the, your laptop, okay, buddy? Right. Like, I don't need, your wings aren't typing fast enough. Let's, let's do this. He doesn't even, like, hit the keys with his wings. He just kind of <laughs> flaps over guy. Uh, man, there's so many little touches in this game that I like where when you're just at the title screen, you know, it's kind of doing a pan over of your island. Sometimes you'll catch things. And I'll be like, you know, I was going to log off, but there's a fossil over there. <laughs> you sneaky bastard. Um, I do have some bad news, Mitch. Oh, no. Dude, don't tell me it was me. It was yeah. you. So I don't even have to explain oh, the God. game to you. You I already know. know. You already know. You're caught in frame trap, baby. Damn it. Uh, I told myself I didn't want to be the one. Frame trap in space. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would ask, do you have any idea what you said? But was it was it Marauder? No. Was I the one? It was a good guess, though. 
You said casual. You said you were casually uh, playing Animal Crossing, and these filthy. demons. These demons are like energy drink guzzling Dorito fingered assholes. And so they're kind of elitist. They don't like the word casual. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna this we got us caught. Now we have to get us out. Um, in honor of you being here, our game today is what did IGN rate the Titans? <laughs> So I have some classic <laughs> games here, and uh, between the three of you, I want you to tell me what IGN gave them. This is excellent. As far as reviews go. Um, let me write your names down here really quick. All right. Our first game is the original Half-Life. What did IGN give the original Half-Life? Multiple choice? No multiple choice. Uh, I'm going to say it's a 10. Okay. 9.1. Huber got it right on the money. Wow. 95. Nice. One point for Huber. Oh, no, I'm going to lose this game. <laughs> Mitch, you have to defend your honor. I the, have to defend my honor. The original PS2 God of War. Don't, oh, also, don't look at chat, by the way. I'm not looking at chat. Not looking at chat. Brandon uh-huh. Jones, look I, at those eyes. I think that's a 10-2. This is the camera. 9.8. 9.3. Mitch. I I think that's a 10-2. Brandon Jones gets it right on the money. That's Ah, chat helping him out. No, (laughs) Brandon Jones gets one. All right, I'm adding up the monitor here. This monitor's off. Come on now. I kid. I kid. I'm I'm letting my own own, uh, thoughts... You know, color this my guesses, which I got. I got to get out of that habit. I, what you're telling me is you think IGN gives everything a ten. That's what. That's what you're telling me. <laughs> these are the Titans, Ben. These are these are these are some Titans. That's why. That's why I picked them. It's smart. Um. All right. The third one, the PS1 version of Tekken Three. Oh God. Nine point three, eight eight. Nine Mitch is right on the money. All right. Nine three. Well done. Uh, you're all tied. Two questions left. Yes. The Xbox 360 version of the original Bayonetta. Ooh. 9. 9.6. 9.5. 9. 9.7. Mitch still defending his honor. 95. Nice. Action game guy confirmed. <laughs> all right. The very last Titan. I got a cat meowing at me. Very last Titan, the Xbox 360 version of Deadly Premonition. Ooh, the most Titan of Titans. Yeah, that's right. Uh, 7.1. 8.1. Oh, 6.5. Mitch is the closest, but you're all wrong uh, by a lot. Two. Yeah, I knew, Two. It, was, I knew it was low. Shit. Two. A two, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes IGN messes up. It's okay. Um, I kid, of course. Uh, Mitch, you pull away. Commanding victory. Three points to Brandon's one and Heber's one. Uh, you are going to have to find a way to break us out of the frame trap. You're going to have to come up with some gesture or phrase or whatever it is we want to do. Um, but before that happens, we do have some wonderful shout-out to your patrons that we are... Uh, going to shout out right now by the way speaking of 
faithful listeners, if you want to be in the shout-out tier for April, I believe we might still have some spots open. Blood, correct me if wrong. We might have one. I think it might be full, actually. Okay. I think somebody, I think somebody snuck in and grabbed the last one. But Immediately corrected. Doesn't hurt to doesn't hurt to advertise it. Let people know. You know, we did this on the last frame trap, but considering the circumstances, I think it will work really, really well. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say a shout out, patron. And I'm going to say one of your names, and you're going to have to do a pose, okay? And everybody has to do a different pose. All right. First shout out is Elthanis Huber. All right, now hold that. Greg the Dark Knight Kettering, Mitch. Caleb Togi Crawford, Brandon Jones. All right, Will Schmuck, New Pose, Mitch. And finally, Mr. One Luigi, Michael Huber. Whoa, <laughs> sensual pose. All right, thank you to all of our wonderful <laughs> shout-out tier patrons. That is a $250 tier on Patreon. Mitch, have you uh, thought of a way to break us out of the frame trap? It's a $250 pose right there, Huber. Ooh. Yo, Huber. <laughs> all right, well, uh, Only I've been playing second. a lot of One Piece Pirate Warriors 4, so I've got One Piece on the brain. So let me see. Probably I'm going to do something that's going to be loud and, and obnoxious, but I'm going to do a Goma Goma no Bazooka. Do it. So. Oh, I hurt myself. You know, <laughs> I actually, that was a pretty good voice, I feel like. Thank I you. wish your arms actually stretched. That would have that would have really yeah. helped it, but that's pretty good. Uh, you know what, Mitch? Thank you for breaking us out of the frame trap. Well, since you brought it up, let's talk about uh, One Piece Pirate Warriors 4, a game I have not had a chance to get to, but you just reviewed, I think the review went up today? Yeah, for Pirate yeah, Warriors went up 4? this morning. Tell me about it. Um, so, Pirate Warriors 4 is a Musou game uh, developed by Omega Force. Uh, if you've played any Omega Force game, you know what to expect. I honestly was not a, a huge fan of, of the Musou genre, so this was this was an interesting game for me to, to jump into. And when I say I wasn't a fan, it wasn't that I like actively dislike uh, Musou games. It's just I never really gave them much of a chance. It's usually something that... I would rent, play a couple hours of, and then be like, okay, I, I understand this game. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is the first time that I've played one uh, to completion. And honestly, I think I might be a fan of the Musa genre now. So like, I, I'm, I'm interested in checking out uh, some of the other ones. Um, Warriors Orochi 4. Uh, yeah. So with, with Pirate Warriors 4, what do you think it is specifically that kind of really turns you around the whole genre? Do you think it's the way it's representing One Piece? Or does it... Like, how many things there is to do? Like, what is the secret sauce here? I, th I think for me, the secret sauce is the variety in the characters. Mm. And uh, just the fact that there's so many different characters. Like, if you, want, if you love One Piece because of the characters, which I do, uh, this is such a great game for that. Because you have Luffy, who's just this all-around beast, who's super strong, he's super fast. Uh, he, you know, obviously, he's got all the stretching powers, all this, like, cool powers that are from the show are represented in his moveset. Um, then you got Zoro, who's able to just clear out massive amounts of enemies with just a single sword slash that sends like a cyclone out. Um, and then you have people like Usopp, who is not traditionally a, a big fighter, but he still has a bunch of cool 
ranged abilities to to do the same thing that Luffy does in terms of getting rid of a massive amount of people, but he has to do it in a different way. And so the ability to discover the the play style of all these different characters is just really exciting. And the way that the the game story mode is structured, uh, it allows you to to go through each of those different characters and figure that out. So I I just if if other Muso games have that level of variety in its characters, um, then yeah, I'm I'm down. Absolutely. I feel like especially recently, and perhaps always, that that's the thing about Musos is just the wild swings where you play something and you're like, I completely love this, and then you go and oh, this is total garbage. And so you kinda have to to wade through it a little bit. Um I have to ask, there's two things. I think I know, but who's your favorite One Piece character? Uh, it's probably Luffy. Okay. Okay. Well, For some I'm, reason, I'm I thought basic. it was Law. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Well, it, Law. Gotcha. Law is a close. Law is a close second. Law is the the one that I, I buy the most merch of because <laughs> my wife is laughing in the background. <laughs> Yo, you gotta uh, show off your One Piece collection, man. Oh man, uh, I don't have my Law. It's all right. Don't worry about it. Uh, my wife's gonna get it. <laughs> um, um, in preparation for Pirate Warriors Four, which I haven't played yet, uh, I was playing some Pirate Warriors Three, and something that I really loved about Pirate Warriors Three is just the challenges that it would have for each mission, where you would kind of fill out a piece of the puzzle, and it would give you bonuses for doing it, and so it made it fun replaying the missions. It gave you incentive for trying out different characters. Is that return in Pirate Warriors Four? Um, not that I could really tell. I didn't play Pirate Warriors Three, so okay. I I don't have the the base level comparison. Uh, they do have a a pretty interesting progression mechanic where, uh, you when you when you beat a level or you beat uh certain side missions within the level, you get these uh, special coins, and those coins are what's needed to unlock uh, different abilities on on the progression tree. Um. And some of them are pretty rare. Uh, I think some of them can only be obtained also through the the game's treasure log mode. Mm. Um, so yeah, so there's there's definitely like this meta aspect of unlocking moves, um, which I think is is really cool. It's a good incentive to to play the other modes. Uh, the most common complaint, someone maybe say a tired complaint about the genre is is the repetition, which right. can definitely be founded. But I mean, how much time? Did you spend with Pirate Wars four and you, know, you gave it a high score, right? You gave it an eight. So what yeah. what kept your interest throughout that time? Uh, so I think a, a part of it is definitely what I was talking about earlier with the the you know there's forty characters in this game and you get to play with you know a good portion of that during the the actual main campaign, which is pretty lengthy. It took me fifteen hours to get through. Mm. Um, and then other than that, I think what's really cool is. Uh, they added the ability to do air combos and I'm a sucker for air combos. I, I love a good air combo system. And uh, yeah. there are certain characters. If you play it right, uh, you can do like a three hit combo, jump up into the air, another three hit combo, dash, three hit combo, three hit combo, three hit combo, do a special move, bounce them off the ground. It's just like, it's all the stuff that I love about Devil May Cry in, in a Muso game. Um, so stuff like that also was was really appealing to me. Mitch, oh man, I feel like you've turned this from a man. I can't wait to get to this to right now. Boot it up. Let's do some <laughs> air combos. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. how I feel. Um, I know there's some new story stuff, some original story stuff in Pirate Warriors Four. 
uh, specifically for the game that how did that because I feel like that's always tricky right when a game based on a proper popular property kind of goes its own direction it doesn't always work out for the best how is it handled in Pirate Warriors 4? Uh, it kind of sucks. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, so the way the the single-player story mode works out is that it takes you through pretty much the entire canon of One Piece so far mm. uh, up Whoa. to the currently airing one. I saw Jones's face. Yeah, it's like 900 episodes worth of story in this game. But How is it, that possible? It abridges it so much. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, the, I say in the review, like it's 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 admirable what they try to do with what, the story mode of this game, dude. Much my I have like resigned ever watching One Piece ever because there's a thousand episodes. Yeah, is this an alternative? No, if, is it, but you I should mean, still watch One Piece. <laughs> is it better than nothing? As someone yeah. who could never commit to a thousand episodes, uh, or no. I mean, it's better than nothing. If, uh, I would still hold out hope that maybe one day CyberConnect 2 will do a proper One Piece, you know, Dragon Ball Z Kakarot style game. Um, but they they like there's they only cover I think five arcs of One Piece's story in terms of what you can actually play. The rest is just cutscene, you know, very short abridged versions of them. Man, you mentioned uh, CyberConnect 2 doing a like a Kakarot game. I just want and Arc Systems works. Oh, that too. One piece I'll take that game. too. Yeah. Huber, uh, as somebody who's kind of resigned himself to not diving uh, into One Piece, what is like your ideal Muso? If you could conjure up a Muso game right now, what it would be? Ooh. Put me on the spot. Yeah. Jones, I'm going to throw this to you as well. If you got one. Star yeah. Wars! <laughs> Great one, Jones. Man, that'd be cool. Oh my Great god. One. Yes. How about Resident Evil as Wesker? You, I love how Mitch is like talking about Pirate Warriors Four and, and a great quality is like having over forty characters to play, and you're like, okay, I want a Musou game where you only play as Wesker in different as the outfits, only option. <laughs> and stages of his life, you know. Sure. Hey, man, it's your ideal Musou. You you make whatever you want. How about like a Harry Potter Musou? Yeah. Sure. You know what? I, what I'd want to play in that is just Hagrid, just like yeah. suplexing people. That's what I want. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but, but yeah, with regards to uh, the the anime, anime or the the game original uh, version of the Wano arc, uh, the main reason why it, it, I think it kind of sucks is that they set up they set up the Wano arc the same way that the the anime or the manga does, but then they basically don't do anything Wano specific for the rest of the, the rest of the arc. Mm. It's basically just a bunch of characters that are like, Hey, I heard that Luffy is on this, this, uh, this place called Wano. Let's go fight him. And like, literally like there's 10 different big villains of one piece that would have no business being on that, being on that Island that are now all of a sudden on Wano all it's just kind of like a battle royale. there's no, there's no logic to why they're how they got there you know what their driving motivation beyond it beyond luffy's there um so that's that that was kind of like the big bummer about it um does as as a big one piece fan is there in any way does the fan service like override the disappointment at all are you like well 
Uh, this is kind of that, nonsensical, but I'm glad they're here. That is a good point because there is some cool fan service sure. in that in that last arc, uh, the the game original arc, where like you you see, you know, everyone coming together and they they have that cliche final battle thing where they're all combining their powers together for like, you know, the the final boss, uh, and that's cool. But no, I don't I don't think it overrides the, you know, how silly the story the story is. Uh, you mentioned there being so many characters. Did you find that when you were playing it, you did use a lot of characters that you, that the game was like forcing you to, or strongly incentivizing you to like, were there any characters that surprised you that you didn't maybe think you would enjoy and you ended up liking a lot? Um, it, I don't think it so much encourages that you, uh, you use different characters. You can really play it the way you want. I would say it probably encourages you to you to use the same character more mm. because you can level up that one character, make them as strong as they could possibly be. Sure. Um, for me, the game was already pretty easy where I didn't feel like I needed to do that. Mm -hmm. And so that was what encouraged me to experiment with, with other characters. Um, as far as characters that I enjoyed that I didn't think I would, uh, I don't think you know who he is, but Cavendish was was super fun. Hmm. Um, he's like this obnoxious musketeer esque kind of character who who he starts out hating Luffy because he feels like he's stolen his thunder. Yeah. Um, like in terms of being a criminal, like he did all this really cool stuff, and then everyone just talks about Luffy. Um, no, I think I know Cavendish. He's in the the arena, right? Oh yeah, yeah he yeah. is in the arena. Yeah. So yeah, you've gone to him. Yeah, I know Cavendish. Yep, yep, yep. He's great. The whole arena crew is pretty good. Um, yeah. Oh, you were mentioning like focusing on one character because you can level them up uh, more. Something that I like in Pirate Warriors 3, and plenty of other Musou games have this as well, is you can actually use money to just quickly catch people up. So like, if you have Luffy up you know, 10 levels above everybody, you can spend money to quickly level up other people. Is that in Pirate Warriors 4 as well? Yeah, so there's there's definitely a consistent currency that goes throughout, you know, upgrading all your characters. There's two different progression trees. There's a there's a overall progression tree that that focuses on everyone and some of those bonuses are are a little smaller than than the character specific ones. But then yeah, there's also character specific trees. Um and you can unlock two of them. Uh one is unlocked when you first start with the character, the other is you get when you up, uh, upgrade them. A certain amount um and yeah so you, you, there's kind of that decision of do i want to focus my money on upgrading everyone a little bit or mm -hmm. do i want to focus in on these one care on this one character and make him really strong sure which uh, i think is really cool like the the progression in this game i think is great but i think it would be better if the game pushed back a little more sure um because you definitely get into this this feeling where uh, you don't feel like you're getting stronger. You feel like you're just matching the, what the game is giving you. Um, yeah. And you know, in order in order to feel like you're getting stronger, you have to you have to face some adversity. Um, at least that's that's how I usually feel about um, action games. Ultra violence mode. Yes. Uh, yeah. An example of perfect progression is Doom Eternal. <laughs> you you mentioned that, and that's. I feel that with my time with Warriors Orochi 4, where the combat is so much fun and they give you so many cool tools, but you kind of just sneeze on everything and it dies. Like it kind of doesn't matter what you do, everything dies. Um, and especially if you're focusing on a particular team, you will just outpace 
what the missions actually demand as well, and so that's that's very frustrating. I'm with you yeah. on that. Um, in Pirate Warriors, I feel like I know the answer to this. This is an obvious question, but in Pirate Warriors 3, I think something that I really enjoy is how well they capture the style of One Piece, um, mm-hmm. and the, the different environments and, and stuff that you go into are really just kind of fun and outlandish and cool. I assume that it looks even better in Pirate Warriors 4. I mean, were you happy with the presentation? So here's the thing, and I'd be curious to know uh, what you think about this, because I think you play more Omega Force games than I do. Mm. But one of the big things about Pirate Warriors 4, and this is this is also true of one of their other games, Attack on Titan 2, yeah. they reuse cutscenes from, from the prior game. So, mm. you know, the only true new arcs in Pirate Warriors 4 are... Uh, Whole Cake Island and the Wano Arc. Sure. Um, and so, I I'm, I didn't play Pirate Warriors three. I kind of just looked online and looked at some of the cutscenes. But I think they're the same. All I think all of the actual cutscenes up to Whole Cake Island have already been used in Pirate Warrior in Pirate Warriors games prior. Gotcha. Okay, I didn't so, know that. So that's that's kind of a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> sure. I think that's that is um, a bummer. As far as like the the presentation of the actual like gameplay is concerned, it's you know it's okay. Like mm. the it's not the prettiest looking game in the world. Um, the draw distance is not very good. Mm. Um, but what platform they, did you play on? I played on a base PS4. Okay. Yeah. Um, the the areas look. I would say like if there was one word that came to mind regarding the look of Pirate Warriors 4, it's serviceable. Mm. It's completely serviceable. So, okay. yeah. <clears throat> um, you mentioned this kind of opening the door for you in terms of the genre. Do you think, you know, the Dynasty Warriors 10 down the line or some other Musou spinoff or Warriors Orochi or Samurai Warriors or whatever, you know, that there's always a Musou game around the corner. Do you think you're <laughs> going to be on board immediately or are you going to wait for maybe like another property to kind of hit you the way that Pirate Warriors 4 has? I would be willing to try out a dynasty. Like before this game, I had zero interest in playing a, a dynasty warriors game. Mm. After, after playing pirate warriors, uh, pirate warriors four, it's not something like a new dynasty warriors game. Isn't something that I'm hotly anticipating, but you know, I, I would play it for sure. It's on the radar. Yeah. It's on the radar. Cool. 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 Uh, well, I think it's finally time to talk about, Half-Life Alex. Um, I've not finished Half-Life Alex yet, but I don't have anything bad to say about it. I I said this in Slack, and I don't know if Huber and Brandon, if you saw this, but I, I really believe this. I think it is easy to hyperbolize, right? I think Easy Allies as a whole is guilty of hyperbole, but I really thought about this statement a lot before I typed it in Slack, and I think Half-Life Alex is the closest I've felt to a Mario 64 moment since that. Mario 64. I believe your quote was, this is some Mario 64 shit? It, it might have been that. It might have been <laughs> phrased differently than what I just said. Yeah, that might be right. But, it, I, you know, it, it's a very particular way of describing something. You're like, right. oh, you know, because... Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's one of the reasons why uh, just that Nintendo 64 lineup is so strong, because it's not just... 
an achievement based on new technology. It's somebody coming in and, and completely understanding what they're going to do with it right. and completely understanding what they could do with a given franchise and just knocking every single step of it out of the park. I'm so hungry to, to play this game. Brandon, I'm so curious about it. It's, it's going to blow you away. Like, yeah. and this isn't fair, but it's almost made me mad at the platform because I have, I have not had a VR experience even the really, really good ones that have come close to this. It's like, oh, this is this is the actual potential of VR, right? And obviously Valve has an abundance of resources and time and, and a lack of restrictions that other developers face. So I totally understand that. But the detail in this game is astounding. And I, I hate trying to put it into words because it does not do it justice. Um, but like very early on, like right at the beginning of the game, you go into like a dimly lit apartment and I was just picking stuff up. I would pick up a plate and just examine it and like the way that it would reflect in the light or like it would have individual stains on it and the way that I would throw it, the specific sound that it would make, the way that it would shatter. I would pick up a cup and you look inside and there was like a coffee stain in the cup and it was like, somebody put this here. Like, I understand why this took so long. This is ridiculous. Every single object that I'm picking up, like you pick up a vodka bottle and you can read the label very specifically. I have never in my life felt more inside of a video game world, ever. Nothing has ever come close. And I think what really astounds me about it and where I get frustrated with VR is I hate playing VR and I'm like, I wish I could just do this with a button. I wish I could just have Analyst 6, like, the VR and the moving around and the grabbing stuff is getting in the way of me playing the game. And I don't feel that here. I'm using the teleport movement, and everything is just clicking. And the, the genius of this game, there's so much of it, but the real genius is the gravity gloves. And both of your hands are essentially, like, magnets, and you can point at something in the world, and you just flick your wrist and it comes to you. And it changes everything. It changes how you explore because you go into a room and rather than like having to go and walk and crouch down and pick something up, you can see something in the distance, point your hand, flick, catch it, and then put it in your backpack. And everything is tuned in this game just enough to actually feel like a real physical action, but to not be a pain in the ass. And so... Like, in the midst of a fight, you'll, your clip will be empty. You just hit a button to eject it. You reach inside your backpack. You put it in. You hit another button, and you're good to go. And there's enough going on there with all of those actions that it actually feels like you're reloading a gun, but it works consistently every time. I should say I'm playing this on a Valve Index. Um, it may change depending on the platform that you're playing it on. That's why it's worth bringing up. But, like... Everything is perfect. The feedback that you get when you shoot a pistol is amazing. Like, the way bullets hit enemies, like, everything, it is crazy. I cannot get over how good this game is. So, uh, question. Uh, you said how how much you feel like you're in the game. Yes. Uh, Half-Life, for me, is a very scary game. Yes. <laughs> it, it, I am uh, I'm very bad with, uh, with head crabs. Yes. Does, does that enhance... 
how scary head crabs are because if it if it does, I don't know if I can play this game. Uh, I'm with you, man. Okay, hundred <laughs> percent. So I let's... remember playing Half Life Two, and uh, a friend of mine was just like, "You you have to play Half Life, you have to play Half Life Two. And I was like, "Oh, it's like fun sci-fi, fun yeah. adventure action game, neat." And I hadn't played the first Half Life, and I remember like after a couple hours, I turned to my friend, I'm like. This is terrifying. And it was even before we got to head crabs, but I was just like, I really feel like being pursued and like, you know, I'm really just the, the vibe is really scary. And he was like, yep. He's like, that's, I was, I was looking forward to you saying that. So <laughs> it just seems so perfect. You know, immersion has always been a part of half-life. And so it's just like, when this got announced, I was like, this is going to be like three hours long. This is, there's no, this can't be what I hope this is going to be. And so just based on word of mouth. Oh my, holy cow. So, I feel like the game baited me pretty hard. Um, the game is very conscious of the player in a good way. The way that they structure environments and the way they introduce things, they are super aware that you are playing in sort of this new way. And they take things very slow and they give you time to adjust and to look around and to kind of adapt. And it's very smart. And so because of that, I was like, you know, it's probably not going to get that bad. Like, it's probably not going to get that scary. I was wrong. Oh, no. It's like <laughs> way bad. You get to a point where they're like, you have to go in t into total darkness. And the only thing that you have to help you is this flashlight that is mounted on your hand. And it, it illuminates a very small area. And I was like, well... Maybe they won't have those nasty spider head crabs, you know, the black ones that are way worse than the regular ones. They have a shit ton of them. They're all over the place. They will jump and latch onto your face. Or at least the regular head crabs will. I don't know if the spider ones do. I had a moment, okay, where I had my pistol out. I think I had a full clip. I, I don't know how much I had. I had a, a good amount of ammo in this handgun. I was walking forward. Head crab pops out of this like vent in the ground i scream i point my hand out and i just waste the whole clip on this head crab i was terrified um this is gonna me playing this game is gonna be so bad for my poor wife because at least usually when i'm playing a scary game she can see what's happening and yeah yeah <laughs> so if she if i'm playing this and she's just lounging on the on the couch i'm it's gonna be worse for her than it is for me she just hears you breathing, you know. Just, <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Nervous sweats. What's funny though, Mitch, is I remember playing Ravenholm originally in Half-Life 2 and being terrified, of course, like everyone was. I am even though I think this is much more terrifying, I am less scared. And I think it's because of how immersed I am. Like mm. I don't know. I don't I don't know how to perfectly You're just a naturally brave man. No, it's not I'm not. I'm more... not. <laughs> I don't know how to articulate it, but like, it's almost like your brain, because you feel like you're part of this world so much, it's almost like you are actually in it. And so that, that kind of like biological response kicks in where you're like, well, I just have to survive because I'm here. And I don't know, I do feel less afraid. And I think it comes down to like, when you have your shotgun and you have to frantically put shells in, you like get focused on the minutia of like handling your own tools that you kind of forget the fear. Like there's just something in your brain that turns on and you're like, I have to deal with the situation. And so, yeah, for some reason I've been less scared than I usually am of this type of horror, I guess. 
I think your perspective just in general in VR, because Huber, I couldn't, uh, I've told you this, I started RE7 and played just long enough to kind of get a vibe for how it worked in VR and then was like, I'm done. There's no, I've played this game. I know exactly what's coming at me. There's no way in hell I'm, I'm going to be in this world when that stuff goes down. But I have played a lot of games that like have definitely got my heart pumping in VR. They're very dark and like, you know, like lots of like just like zombie games. You're stuck in an area and you don't know where they're coming from. And it is remarkable how you can actually how quickly you can change your perspective, like how fast you can just turn your head to look at something as opposed to like moving a mouse or moving an analog stick and how you can actually like place a weapon right at something, you know, and like there definitely is a sense of empowerment when you have a when you have that item or you have a weapon in in between you and an enemy mm -hmm. um that it actually does kind of chip away a little bit at that um the power fantasy kind of takes over and it takes a little bit away from you just being like ah, i'm just stuck in this world but i just man i just mitch the thing i remember half-life 2 is one part we got to hop down and you're just like up on like a, pl a plank and you're looking down you can see the crabs down there and oh, i remember God, when i, exactly when I, I remember when i played half-life 2 i just stayed there for like 10 minutes i'm like i'm not dropping off this thing let's just forget about it like hard same i i i still haven't beaten half-life 2 and yeah. it's just be well no i still haven't beaten half-life 2 i had to think about it it's been because i exact same thing i would hit a spot where i just don't want to proceed because i i'm scared of what lies beyond that dark corner what, um, what hasn't happened to me yet one of the most terrifying things in Half-Life to me is getting caught by a barnacle and just slowly ascending into its mouth. Oh, my God. That has not happened to me yet in VR, <laughs> and I, I refuse. I refuse to let it happen. I will inch Reverse my way Reverse Sarlacc. Yeah. The upside-down yeah. Sarlacc. Yeah. Um, something else that I do want to say is, and this applies more to Half-Life in general, is you, you forget how good... Games like Half-Life and Portal are at building characters through the game itself. And that's not a great way of describing it, but I mentioned the being in the darkness moment. And the kind of the first time you get there, uh, Alex, you have this guy on the radio and Alex is like, oh shit, I'm really scared. Hey, talk to me about something. Talk to me about anything. And he's like, well, let me tell you about Club Sandwiches. Because mm -hmm. Alex in the, the state that the world is in, there is no turkey. There is no, like, you know, nice romaine lettuce. There's there's none of these things. And so she's kind of hearing about this super common thing, a club sandwich for the first time. And it's just using this very natural banter to, you know, paint a little bit more of Alex, paint a little bit more of this character that's on the radio, and paint a little bit more about the world. And you're like, this is, this is genius. Like, it seems super easy and super simple, but a lot of games don't get this right. A lot of games don't feel this natural or as easy going with their characters. Uh, and it's really astounding. That's awesome. It sounds very uh, Last of Us-y almost. Yeah, 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 for sure. That's a good, yeah. that's a good comparison. But like compared to Last of Us, I think a lot of your, your limitation in terms of just interacting with Ellie is kind of like when you're facing her or not. Like when you're pausing to do the action that you're doing or fighting something as opposed to actually choosing for Joel to turn to Ellie and face her. And uh, my favorite uh, my, my favorite uh, VR game is um, Invisible Hours, but I, the best VR game I've ever played is Lone Echo, which is uh, the same team that did The Order, completely escaping my my brain right now the name of that team ready Dawn. yeah uh, ready Dawn. there we go uh and one of the things that i found myself doing you play this robot and um there were just a lot of i think really good vr writing 
gives the player an opportunity to kind of feel and maybe experiment with what the character would be doing if that person's the character is saying what I am saying. And you did get some dialogue options, but like I would find myself when the character would be like, I don't know, you know, uh, Rachel or whatever her character, the, the, your, uh, the astronaut you're helping in that game. Like, I don't know, this is just not working. I would look up and just kind of shake my head at her and it actually kind of like feel like I'm embodying this character, almost like puppeteering this character to kind of go in line with what the script is doing. Um, and just not a lot, even in like a first person shooter, I just don't feel, you know, you get many, it feels a little sillier to do stuff like that. But I really felt like I was, I was like, oh, I feel like a robot. This is kind of fun. Not just, I feel like I'm in this world and I'm holding these objects, but like, I really do feel like I am an artificial intelligence. Like, um, it's fun. You know, it's funny that you bring that up because I kind of find that too, where it's like, oh, if I was just playing this with a controller and a joystick, I wouldn't be picking things up this way or I wouldn't be interacting with these characters this way. But it also, the moments where it goes into the uncanny valley are when you encounter things that could have a reaction to what you're doing, but don't. Like, there will be times where you will be in the same room talking to somebody and you could do things and it's like, oh, they should be saying something to that, but they're not. And they'll try to work around that by like having them get in your face or, you know, have some scripted interaction. But those are the times where it feels the most unnatural is when they're kind of just running on their routine and they're not, you know, I don't know. They're not really interacting with you in the way that you would hope. We're just not there yet, but maybe someday. And it's tough because when you make the strides that the VR is currently making, you start to open up an awareness of those missing possibilities where you mm-hmm. normally wouldn't think that that would be a problem. But all of a sudden when your senses are so heightened, then you're just like, Oh, do the thing. Oh, <laughs> like you yeah. wouldn't, you wouldn't demand that of another character, but then all of a sudden you, you really feel like your feet are planted in that world. And then, then it, yeah, it's a, the, the oh, very yeah. definition of that Valley. I want to play this game so badly, just as a fan of like technological, reinvention and innovation and Mm -hmm. also a fan of Mm half-life but it might be the most frustrating game of all time to discuss because there's such a barrier you need like such a good pc so much vr equipment like this i try to just like not even really think that this game is even out because it's years away from me even being able to play it (laughs) yeah it's talking about like paris yeah, you're like cool. Yeah. Okay. It's yeah. like, oh, I had this crepe so at this little cafe. It was wonderful. I left my hotel and then after yeah. I got a little, you know, uh, an hey. espresso and you're just like, cool, dude. <laughs> like, hey, Hubert. I probably won't go there in my life, but whatever. Yeah. Hubert. You just uh triggered today's hotel. Okay. Oh no. Nailed it right on the dot. That is uh that is a no, reason why we're talking about never been talking Alex. at home. I feel violated. <laughs> uh. The reason I'm, I'm talking about Half Life Alex and then going into the Hotake is that is exactly how I feel. I I cannot overstate how incredible this game is. And every time I have a session with it, and I'm like, this this is it. This is a new step forward for video games. I really feel that in my soul. I think I feel like such an asshole. Like. of people are going to get to play this and it's so expensive and it's so demanding and takes so much. Like it's weird. I I honestly have not had a feeling 
to this degree with a video game where it, it, it is, it's the epitome of must be nice. And it's like, I wish more people could experience this. I wish more people could get the, what I'm getting right now. Like there's so many people that care about Half-Life, right? Specifically and have been waiting for so long that won't really be able to enjoy this. Uh, you know, they might be able to watch YouTube and that's great. They might be able to watch streams and that's great, but they may not be able to afford or for some other reason participate in this thing. How do we feel about that? Got to do I'm the void. I'm super torn because it is frustrating, but at the same time, them going all in like they did made this game what it is. If they held back and compromised to be able to let more people play it, to have like less tech and less demanding specifications, then yeah, I just don't feel like the game would be as innovative and, and magical as it is. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, a, it's a tricky balancing act for sure. Yeah, for me, it's, it's tough because I feel like we've gotten to this point now where there are only so many game experiences that can be had with a mouse and keyboard or a twin stick controller. And so like, it's, it's nice to have developers that are trying to think outside the box in that way. Um, and especially with, with all the things that it seems like Half-Life Alex is doing, but at the same time, yeah, like, Oh God, I've been, I've been, I wanted VR so badly ever since like the, the original Oculus Rift came out, but it's just such a, it's not just a, a pricey thing. It's also a space problem. Like I just okay. don't feel like I have in prior apartments. Like I, I feel like I didn't have the space to, to have a VR area. Uh, now I have a, a little bit bigger of a living room, but still it's not like I have a, a whole room dedicated to it or anything like that, which, you know, is the, the, uh, like the, the highest standard for playing, for playing that kind of game. Um, so yeah, it, I'm torn. It's, it's tough. I, yeah, I think torn is, is exactly the right way to say it. I, I feel the same and listening to interviews with valve, you know, a, a reason, one reason why they didn't make Half-Life 3, Half-Life 2 Episode 3 is because they didn't want to just crank out iterative sequels. Like, they wanted Half-Life to come out and push the boundaries to solve problems. And they felt like what they could do in VR did that, and you see it. And I, I really, truly have not played anything close to this. Like, it is top of the top pushing things forward and so i'm grateful i'm grateful for that in some ways you know that even though it will only be able to be appreciated by a small percentage of people um i do think that ultimately that pushing forward may help everybody down the line uh that may not be true you know i may have spent a thousand dollars on this valve index and never play anything again that fills me with the same joy but now the door is open, right? And I, I think opening doors is good. Um, and even things like thinking back to, say, the original Crisis, right? And how demanding that was and how a lot of people couldn't play that. I'm still glad that that existed. And over time, what I'm hoping happens is things kind of catch up and the barrier for entry won't be so steep and it'll be more affordable to more people. I don't know. I, I hope it goes that direction. And. And I think one of the really cool things is that is the the invention of the Oculus Quest, which I think is absolutely the way forward for for VR because that's an all-in-one system. You don't need uh, a big computer with a beefy graphics card to play it. Um, and if they are able to continuously 
iterate on that the way that they iterate on consoles and make them more and more powerful without making you know this big heavy thing that weighs down your head um i think that could be a future for vr um something that lives alongside of consoles and pc gaming um that i mean personally that's where i would like to see vr go um I want to talk about it purely from a narrative standpoint, though, where people are so invested in this world and these characters, um, and it has such a dedicated community. Um, and Half-Life, I think, for a lot of people, is, is kind of one of those games that was formative, right? Where it may have opened your eyes to gaming, it may have opened your eyes to PC gaming, it may have opened your eyes to first-person shooters, it may have opened your eyes to interactive storytelling. Like, Half-Life has done so much and really deserves all the accolades that it's gotten. Do you think this is a, is a slap of the face to people who are dedicated but can't afford it, purely from a narrative standpoint? No. This is the absolute best way they could have done this story. Mm. Filling it in, giving us a little insight into Alex's backstory, you know, her perspective. You're still in the heart of this universe and the heart of the, the events of Half-Life 2 without having the pressure of continuing the story. I think this is the best way to dip back into the universe and the narrative uh, without feeling like you're leaving people behind and without the expectations and pressure. I think it was, I think it was a great call. Um, going forward then, so Valve has said, you know, in these interviews that they're doing, and they're really good, actually. I want to um, highlight the interviews, a couple of the interviews that IGN has done, uh, specifically with Gabe um, and then two other people who worked on Half-Life, Alex. They did an unfiltered interview, and they're really phenomenal. You realize how just intimidatingly smart these people are and the problems that they're trying to solve. I, I highly recommend these interviews. Valve, you ever want to be on Frame Trap? Yeah. Hey. Anyway, um, going forward, they've said that they, they're excited about Half-Life, that working on Alex has made them jazz for the series and they want to do more. So theoretically, we have a new Half-Life game, you know, whatever it ends up being. I think Half-Life Alex is so good in VR, would it be disappointing if they made a non-VR game? Like, where where do we go now? Do we go back to mouse and keyboard? Do we do it Resident Evil 7 style, where you I can do both? I was just going to say, yeah, I was just going to say Resident Evil style, where you have the, maybe the Alex sub-series that's uh, PS, or the, the Index in VR, mm. but then you have the core Half-Life 3, or whatever that may be, just, uh, you know, classic style no vr yeah i think i think if you do half-life 3 you have to do it outside of vr mm. you have to throw yeah. a bone to, too much of a barrier to those to those fans that have been waiting so long and you know just won't be able to afford a vr setup um but i i do like the idea of having this sub-series that is vr focused so that they can still experiment with that space and push the push vr forward because they're certainly doing more to push VR forward than any other developer out right uh, out there right now. I want to talk about what you think Half-Life Alex, me, Alex means for Valve games in general going forward. Um, you know, obviously we've had very different periods of Valve, um, and recently I think they've they've definitely been more involved in service games and sort of outside projects. You know, you had things like 
Steam boxes and all that stuff. So they've gone into a bunch of different directions. Do you think Half-Life Alex is sort of this anomaly? Are we going to see more single-player games? Or what, like, what, what does the future for Valve look like? Bright. Why? It's bright, Ben. Why does it look bright? I just feel like, like uh, Valve, uh, Valve pushing technology forward mm-hmm. with games is just awesome. You know, I had the must be nice when Half-Life 2 came out because that was on PC pushing graphics to the next level. I was fortunately able to to be there and play that. Now they're back at it again, just pushing this entire genre forward. And just from the response and how amazed everyone is that's played it, that's gotta be eye-opening to them in the studio. You know, all this hard work, we haven't made Half-Life in so long. People are probably ready to just tear it apart. They're ready for Half-Life to fail because it's been so long. Mm. And it's like, no, this game is amazing. So that's gotta feel really good. The game is uh, like impeccable. It's, uh, <laughs> sorry, go ahead. <clears throat> uh, I think Valve is a, is a unique corporation in that they, they kind of are able to play by their own rules. They, they don't need to continuously put out games in order to keep their lights on Yeah. Uh, because they have Steam. Uh, so I, I don't know how much Half-Life Alex is gonna change their, their, their strategy with releasing games. I think they're still going to be that company that is only gonna put out a game if they think that it is something that is going to ch- change up um, gaming for for some reason um so yeah i i don't think much is going to change in terms of uh valve's output that said i do think that uh half-life alex is opening the door for half-life 3 in a way that it hasn't been open for a long time so (laughs) fingers crossed we get half-life 3 i want to talk about um kind of the weird position that valve is in where they have all these properties that like are you know top of the shelf beloved i mean like you you talk about portal you talk about team fortress you talk about half-life you talk about counter-strike you talk about dota i mean these are all you know in the upper echelon of of belovedness when it comes to video games and i think because quick of tens. that quick tens right right like <laughs> actually actually quick tens um I can imagine as a studio that it is immensely frustrating. And something that they kind of talked about coming into Half-Life Alex is they were like, we couldn't deal with like trying to make Half-Life 3. So we didn't make Half-Life 3, we made this thing. And I totally get that. And I think that speaks volumes from a creative standpoint of like, everybody wants continuations of all of these properties all at once. They want more because they love it so much. Do you think that inhibits Valve? Do you think... Or it, on the flip side, you know, is there a responsibility there to make those fans happy and to keep going down those paths that they've started? That's the thing of VR. You just can't. I think a lot of the teams that I've seen making big plays in VR, um, especially people that are making stuff that is supposed to, you know, intended somewhat to be a system seller. I, I don't get the vibe from them. I think it's unrealistic for them to be like, we made it, this is it. This is where the, the tide changes and, and the, you know, everyone's just going to go rushing to the internet, you know, to, to order these things. I think they have to, I don't know if I would necessarily call it a loss because Mitch said like they're, they're doing very well. I don't, I don't think this is really going to affect their bottom line, but I think it's important for them to kind of set that standard to kind of show 
you know, what can be done. And for people that are frustrated that they can't play it, at least it's nice to know that Half-Life as a franchise is a part of that celebration of that standard, that benchmark that we'll know for a long time. Cause it, it that doesn't necessarily mean that a lot of, you know, developers are going to be able to look at something like Half-Life Alex and then just do it. You know, this is something that, that takes a particular type of creative team, you know, that takes a, a you know, a, that can put a budget together, that can put tech together. Um, and so I, I, one, one thing that's interesting to kind of double back a little bit and include some of the, the narrative uh, questions you were asking earlier, Ben, and mm -hmm. to, to, to put, uh, uh, to bounce off you, Mitch, when you were like, I think this could potentially open up Half-Life 3. I think one of the other issues, you know, Robert Guillaume has passed, you know, like one of the, you know, uh, his character is very featured in the storyline, you know, like uh, kind of one of those characters I'm very curious to, you know, to continue their story. And, you know, this actor is no longer with us. And so there's a lot of like a new cast that you have to deal with in this game. It's gonna be interesting to kind of like rewire my brain when I go into Alex and be like, okay, it's a whole new thing, but that's fine. Every time like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles reboots, you're like, all right, and it takes like an episode or two and like, okay, now I'm in sync with it. And so I wonder if kind of taking a step back uh, is going to help them kind of now we can move forward again just with with a new cast with a new vibe it, it's not so jarring potentially to move into a half-life 3 and see these faces look different and and, and see this world it's familiar but at the same time it, it does have to be different because it's been so long so i think it i think it is promising and i think it does kind of speak to the possibilities that they have but at the same time like i would not be surprised at all if it's just okay alex later we're gonna go do something else Half-Life is something that we own and we can comfortably return to it anytime we want. We don't you know, necessarily feel beholden to a community to, to uh, force ourselves to make something. Because if you really do love a franchise, that can also be frustrating when you, you, they, they feel like ah, we're stuck and you, know, you, you do get like a Call of Duty ghost. You're like, uh, you know, it's like, it's, it's fun that we get these every year, but at the same time you can have, there's just not enough time to, to innovate in a way that you need to. Um. You mentioned just having to reconcile with like a new cast and a new look for things. And I think that is, that's it. Like that's the beauty of Half-Life. And this may be just, you know, me and, and the way that I kind of absorbed it. But so Alex, for example, I, I adore Alex as a character. I think Alex is a, is a very brilliant character and the way that she integrates into Half-Life 2 and its episodes and how she kind of serves as the emotional anger anchor for Gordon Freeman as the silent protagonist. Like, it's it's so good. I could talk about it forever. I was really bummed when I found out that it was a new voice actor for Half-Life Alex. Playing it, I don't mind at all. Mm -hmm. Because that's not really what Half-Life is. It's not reliant on people talking to each other. It is the way they set things up. It is how they write the story. It is when they choose to have characters interact. It's like, there's a moment where <clears throat> you're like kind of in these, this, this sewer-ish area, there are these grates overhead and there are barnacles and you can just hear combine soldiers above you and you don't interact with them. Classic Half-Life. Yeah. <laughs> you don't interact with them, but you hear that like combine beep and that talking and that sound. And you could change a lot of this, right? It wouldn't have to be combine soldiers. It could be like monsters. Um, it wouldn't have to be like the barnacles. It could be mines or something. You could change these things around. It's not so much the like 
literal things that are there that matters. It is the care in which they craft it, right? It is the menace that you feel by hearing something overhead um, that adds so much. And, like, I don't know. I, I think as long as that magic is there... I don't know if any of this is making sense, but as long as that magic is there, sure. as long as that care in the craft is there, I think you can switch out the details and it'll be okay. Well, Huber, you must have been a little nervous having getting a new Kratos and being like, uh-oh, okay, here we go. You know, and that, that worked, <laughs> you know? And sure. it, do, it doesn't make one better or worse. They're different characters, you know? it's For sure. I think because uh, the, like, God of War Ascension maybe, though, was like the last one before that one wasn't as great that's kind of a little different. Whereas like we were kind of ready for a reinvention of God of War. Whereas like Half-Life 2 episode two is the best Half-Life 2. Like the, I love that expansion. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was pretty shocking that they went VR. Mm. Man, I want to play that game. Holy shit. Dude, Hubert- Dude I, might, I might hook up the, it's right there. I literally, it's right there. It's right there in the garage. I might set it up after this, this podcast is over, man. You are like, not ready for how I, good it is. I can't, do it for I can't stop talking about this anymore. <laughs> do it for all of us. Yo, Hubert, like, yeah, I, I want every ally to experience it. That's what I'm trying to say is I want every ally to experience it. Like Animal Crossing once, is just uh, pure joy, but I'm just going to be having my shovel just like moving trees and like, what am I doing right now? <laughs> once we make it through this, this, trying time in this quarantine you know set it up in the studio it's it's actually probably a good thing for my wallet because if there wasn't this quarantine i absolutely would have rushed out to buy an oculus quest immediately after those reviews started dropping and i started to see some gameplay of of alex we need Um, a federal stimulus package that gives everybody (laughs) a copy of half-life alex a pc VR headset. But also, need. once this, you know, once we once we can go outside and share, you know, VR equipment. Uh, Huber, have you ever uh, thought about doing the Void, which is at? Uh, I've done it at uh, Disneyland, but it's also there's one in Glendale. There's what is this? Uh, I've been so wanting the, to do that so bad. So you have the you have the PC on your back, and you just wander <laughs> through like its own like, like the, a custom the, the Alienware backpack thing. The so back, you have the so the one I did is you're a stormtrooper, and that and again that's like. I'm sure, you know, Alex is doing things that this can't do, but, and again, we were talking about the the quest, Mitch, like, I think this is, you know, baby steps kind of moving into getting people just, even just for 10, 15 minutes, you walk yeah. out of that thing and you're like, I get it, you know, like, and it's, it's, it's a whole different level than like, oh, I got to go to a friend's house and play something. It was like, there was, and like, there were a lot of cool story moments in the Star Wars thing, but just being in a room and then walking into the next room was blew my mind. It was a trip. I was like, I'm so ready for this cord to just yank my head back. And it's like, no, you go, you know? So tell me, tell me if this is true. Is it true that when you're doing the void, like there's a, if there's like a button on the wall and you see like this, this button yeah, and man. like the space, switches you and press the button and the button, the door opens. Yeah. Oh my God. There's a, it, you're, you don't start with a weapon as a stormtrooper, and it, you go to them. They're like, get a gun. And you're like, what? Oh, and you go over to the gun. Like, oh, oh, and you pick it up. It's real. It's like, it's the item. <laughs> like, oh, cool. You know? Yeah, it's a trip. Oh, I want to try it so bad. There's like a lava area. It gets all hot. And like, yeah, it's very cool. And there's like a Ghostbusters one. There's a Marvel one now where you're like all, all in like Iron Man suits. I think there's a Jumanji one too. Yeah, there's a lot. And it's crazy because everybody gets a different classic theme park. You know, everybody around the world is getting different ones in different cities and stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, but uh, it's slowly but surely people get in there. And then once you, yeah, just like, you know, just like we're experiencing with Ben, like once you get bit, it's it's hard. You can't, 
it's hard to stop thinking about it. It's hard. To, it makes everything else seem different, not worse, but just like it just changes your expectations for things a little bit. I, I honestly worry that Half-Life Alex has set the bar a little bit too high for me. Like it's, I don't know, there is going to be hard going back to other things. And it's funny, Huber, because, you know, I've known you for a long time and I feel like since I've known you, <laughs> we've kind of like complained about Valve in a very particular way where it's like, man, you remember how good Portal was? Do you remember how good Left 4 Dead was? And we would reminisce about the good old days. Playing Half-Life Alex, all that frustration is gone. Like, it's like they never left. And it was like, oh, only Valve could make a game like this. They Classic, are... what have you done for me lately? Right, yes. it was. And I fe- again, I felt like an asshole where I was like, I, you know, I, I regret that whining because clearly you guys were putting in your heart and soul and you cared so much. Like, I don't care how long it took. The fact that this is what came out, I think, really speaks volumes for sure. So... Are we ready for some emails? We're ready. Let's do it. Our first email comes in from Tyler. Hey, Ben and Allies. In my mind, and I'm sure many others as well, Animal Crossing will forever be linked to the coronavirus. Other than going to work, it is pretty much the only thing I've done. I've always thought the series wasn't for me, but I decided to give it a shot on the Switch and it is now one of my favorite games ever. With life being so weird while finding a new favorite series, I don't think I'll ever separate them. So that got me wondering, do you guys have games that you associate with certain events that have happened in your life, whether it be a personal event or something many others are going through as well, good times or bad? Thanks for all your guys' hard work lately. You've made the best out of a terrible situation and have helped brighten mine and many others' days in the process. Uh, for me, I guess I, I can start. For me, the I, I would say I have two of them. Uh, Warcraft 3 um, would be my, my high school game, uh, just because that, w- like, that was the game that I would play with my friends in, uh, in high school. Uh, and then college, it was League, League of Legends. I was so into League of Legends, and the, those two things are like the college lifestyle and and league and just like everyone in my dorm playing it at the same time and like you know yelling and hearing other yelling in the in the dorm halls uh that is definitely something that is intrinsically tied uh to each other oh yeah i'm like that with uh, starcraft 2 in college just non-stop every day mm-hmm. all day starcraft 2 in college every day uh yeah i have a class tomorrow morning bah screw (laughs) it we got we got ladders to climb (laughs) man sometimes i i miss college because it was like we're all so broke we can only kind of play what we have and so we're just gonna play what we have a lot and so it was a lot of call of duty 4 it's a lot of world at war zombies and it was a lot of halo 3 and it was the best, like just mm. getting people in the same room, just going at it with games. Nothing beats it. Huber, I did. I stuck around for summer classes because I needed to pick up a couple extra credits. And a friend of mine was doing Into the Woods, which is one of my favorite musicals. And he asked me to be in it. And I was like, yeah, 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 this is in Into college. And I was like, sure, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll stick around. I'll do Into the Woods. And so I was living in the dorm, but like I didn't have a lot of friends left in the city. And so I would, and the friends I did have, I would hang out with like at rehearsal. And so I had just a lot of nights like alone in this dorm room and I didn't bother decorating it. Cause I'm like, I'm only going to be here for like four or five weeks. And during that time is when perfect dark launched. 
and like GoldenEye came out and I was like, are we getting maps? What are they doing? What is Rare doing? Like, just like make more of it. You know, the like, Tomorrow Never Dies like sucked. And it was like, there was other teams making stuff. And I was just like, so hungry for like another game that was like this. And I think Perfect Dark was like my first like anticipated game. Like the first game where I was really like, when, 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 like I knew the date. Like I was like any news I would just like consume everything else. I was always like, oh, I got plenty of games to play. Yeah, exact was, same was, with me with Perfect Dark being my first uh, hotly anticipated game. Dude, like, the, and, the uh, first game that made me aware of release dates. And it was everything. It was, yeah. I was just... The fear of missing out by not having an expansion pack. I remember <laughs> having that up in magazines. Like, well, you're going to need the expansion pack. Here's what you get if you don't have it. I always, rem I'll always remember that. Uh, dude, Blood, where are the Perfect Dark codes? That... <laughs> It's, it's funny because I feel like now, if something like the, the Nintendo 64 expansion pack came out, I would be like, this is such bullshit. What a, what a <laughs> yeah. ripoff. At the time, I was like, plug that in. Like, let's, <laughs> let's pump it up. I was so on board with it. Um, shit, what was I going to say? I lost it. Lost it. It's gone. It's gone forever. Any other uh, memories? Maybe it'll come back to me. World of Warcraft in high school, oh, like yeah. everybody going home after school that day uh, and booting it up, you know? School's out at three, everyone goes home, gets it, and I just remember that evening, all of us calling each other with questions. Mm. Like, oh, how do you do this? Or like, oh, should I do this character? Like, oh, how do we meet up? It was just that that nonstop calling each other is so fun. Uh, for me, Bloodborne is also another one because Bloodborne was kind of... The game that got me back into games journalism, <laughs> because after after you know Gamefront went under, I was you know I'd been doing a lot of freelancing, and eventually it got to a point where I was like, all right, you know what, I need a stable paycheck. I need to to find something. I ended up getting like a job at Universal doing jan janitorial services, and then I got an email from uh, someone who worked at the Escapist saying like, hey, do you want to review Bloodborne? And I was like man, they're going to pay me like 75 bucks to do this, but I can't, I can't give up the chance for an early copy of Bloodborne. And, <laughs> <laughs> and fortunately, uh, things, things uh, started looking up after that. That is awesome. That's a hell yeah. of a story, dude. Um, I remembered the thing. Pokemon. I, I, I feel like I've never really gotten to say this, but so Pokemon Gen 1 specifically, uh, everybody was into and i made so many friends and just had like a really good local pokemon community early on in school and then all of a sudden pokemon wasn't cool anymore and so it was like oh i'm just enjoying this thing by myself and it's still really good i still really like it but it sucks that no one else is into it anymore and i remember that really affecting my ability to get into pokemon in the same way and why i fell off with it for for a really long time is because that initial experience was so strong and captivating. But now it's cool. That's what the internet is cool for. Like it's That's great <laughs> hopping onto social media and seeing all these Animal Crossing posts and, and feel like you're kind of going through it together. I think that's neat. Um, our next email comes in from Jared. We got a nice lighthearted one. A fun little thought experiment to discuss, uh, which recently came to mind would be what are your desert island games and why? To me, this isn't necessarily your favorite game or the best game, but rather what games could you see yourself playing over and over again if you had nothing else to play? 
I was thinking about some of my favorite open world games like Breath of the Wild or Witcher 3, which I feel like would give you so much replayability and keep it fresh even after countless hours. There's no long right or wrong answers here. Would love to hear your choices. Love and respect. The original Resident Evil 2 is my favorite game. I play it every year, so definitely that one. Witcher 3, obviously. And Bloodborne, there we go, top three. GTA Online. There's just like 500 hours of stuff to do in that game that I just had to give up on. I'm like, I don't have time for this. <laughs> but like, ooh. Uh, for me, it would probably be, if I can get only one, uh, recency bias, it would probably be Devil May Cry 5, just because it's a game that I can come back to and still have such a blast playing and feel like I'm still getting better at it. Um, and I got all the time in the world now. Yeah. Bring on, bring on the bloody palace. <laughs> um, I feel like Counter-Strike, I would never get sick of. Devil May Cry 5 is a good one. But any Monster Hunter, I feel like you could give me any Monster Hunter and that would be good. And a fighting game, I guess out of the recent ones, probably Tekken 7. I feel like Tekken 7 would keep me occupied for a long time. So those Monster Hunter... Tekken 7 and Counter-Strike, I think, would be ones that I would be into. Could pick a lot of things, though. Fantasy Star Online 2. GTA Online is a good pick, Brandon, because that's like a game that I've always wanted to get into, but just never made time for. So Desert Island would be good. Bloodborne, though. Yeah. You're Bloodborne's also a good one, and Dark Souls. Listen, man. If I'm going to a Desert Island, I'm taking a thousand games with me, and you can't stop me. <laughs> Listen! <laughs> You can't stop me. Last email comes in from Matthew Short. Hey, Ben. First time emailing. Recently, I have finally gotten around to playing the Zero Escape series. Yay. I've just finished. Oh, are you getting into them now? Yeah, recently. All right. See, Mitch. Welcome to Easy Allies. I feel like you just, (laughs) your taste is good enough that you are just now an ally. All right. Great. I just finished Virtue's Last Reward and about to start Zero Time Dilemma. I remember the video when you were recommending 999 to Elise Willems all those years ago, and I've wanted to play it them ever since. What series or games did you get around to long after their original release? Also, I saw the Late to the Party thread on Risa Era. That's not me. But I wonder how many people jumped in with the recent PSN sale. Zero Escape. Zero Escape. <laughs> Monster <Pokemon>. Hunter. <laughs> Word. Um, um, trying to think of some other ones. I'm I, sure, dude. I mean, I'm sure, a lot of people hopped onto the Witcher, or not the Witcher, Yakuza. That was yeah. That was one that I I, I started with uh, Yakuza Zero when when that came out. And, Praise be uh, Yakuza Zero. Yeah, and so started working my way through that. I didn't play through Link to the Past until I was in my twenties, so that one was super late for me. And then I know this is going to going to make people mad, but Resident Evil. Resident Evil was uh, something that I got into very, very late, mainly because when I was a child, I was way too chicken to, to even entertain the idea of playing a survival horror game. I'm still I haven't gotten much better, but uh, I've gotten too late, to baby. <laughs> I've gotten to a point where if there's something in the game that is appealing enough that I can push through the scare the scariness of it and for Resident Evil that that was the inventory management aspect of it and just the idea of of 
like mastering an environment like you do in in uh, Resident Evil One, Resident Evil Two, particularly. Do you want to know? Do you want to know the secret? I played Resident Evil Two remake on PC, and having that mouse aiming, man, it makes all the difference. <laughs> pop, pop. <laughs> so good. Uh, what is your favorite Resident Evil? We don't have to judge you harshly. Uh, probably remake. the The first remake. Resident Evil remake. Welcome aboard. Very good <laughs> Welcome aboard. Welcome aboard. This close, is easy. Close second. Resident Evil Two remake. Uh, some some would say that Resident Evil One remake is one of the greats. Hallofgreats dot com. Yeah. yeah. Any other late entries for you guys? Uh, I just this gen was dope because I got back to Zelda for the being gone for a long time. Like Ocarina loved and Majora's Mask loved, and um, you know Wind Waker didn't finish. Amanda finished, but like, and then just like I didn't, you know, never really sampled that. God of War played one Hubert, didn't play two, didn't play three, didn't play Ascension, and then just like, oh my God, this this new the new one is just like it's not, it's too just late. coming, yeah, it's coming back, late. coming back to a lot of these series felt really good this gen, uh, and Souls awesome. for sure. Not only Souls that I was just like, oh, it took me a long time. I was like, no, you can't. Mm -mm, not going to play it. Played like Souls for like two hours. Is it like on a stream just for lulls, you know? And then it was just like, screw this series. And then Bloodborne was like, holy shit. <laughs> this is, yeah, this is good stuff. I'm playing this despite my reservations about this franchise because this game just looks too too beautiful. And then once I like really got into the throes of it, it was like, ah, I get it. I get it now. Okay. Where are the Elden Ring codes? That's what I want to know. <laughs> One of those trailers, man. Hubert, I, I went Hubert to... you muted yourself. Oh, I'm going to say for my future self, whether that's a month from now or three years from now, Fire Emblem. One of these days. <sighs> One of these days. It's right there. It will happen. It's right there. I know. I mean, we all have that stuff, right? Don't worry about it too much. I went to the, the Bandai Namco press site today to get some screenshots for Pirate Warriors 4, and uh, they have Elden Ring as, like, the main the main homepage on the, the login. And I'm like, well, okay, where is it? <laughs> Give us something. Soon. I, I think it's always stupid to say this because you may just end up looking like an idiot in hindsight, but I think we're in this golden age of games that, like, I'm going to, 10 years are going to pass. I'm going to look back at this time and be like, holy shit. This was, this was an apex yeah. of yeah, quality. Yeah. Straight up. Um, but I think that is going to do it for this edition of Frame Trap. If you would like to send in an email, askeasyallies at gmail.com. Once again, the address is askeasyallies at gmail.com. Thank you, as always, of course, to Michael Huber, Brandon Jones, but an extra big special shout out. Thank you. To Mitch, thanks for joining us, yeah. man. Thank you guys so much for having me. This has been an absolute honor. Uh, I used to do a lot of drives from San Francisco back to LA and back and forth, and I would I would map how close I am to each destination by what episode of Frame Trap <laughs> I was on. Nice. Uh, so <laughs> you guys have kept me company many a car ride. So thank you guys. This has been awesome. I'm a huge fan of Easy Allies and just a huge fan of you guys as people. Love you, man. Love yeah, it's too, good to chat man. with you again, man. It's been a while. But wait, hold up. You would do frequent San Francisco yeah, to LA that's, drives? That's, yeah. 
That's you're insane. Yeah, that's hardcore. <laughs> I had to do that too. Yeah, multiple that's multiple times per year because you know I, yep. I got to see my family. Yeah. Same, dude. I lived there. I lived up in SF. That drive is so annoying. It is so <laughs> annoying. Absolutely. I've done that drive like once, and I never wanted to do it again. Mm-hmm. It's like an audio book. That's a drive. <laughs> uh, Mitch, do you want to plug anything? I don't know. I don't uh, know. I guess I don't know if IGN needs a plug, but like anything. No. It's all about me. Yeah. Uh, no, you can follow me on Twitter at Jurassic Rabbit. Uh, I stream usually every Friday. I'm taking a, a week off uh, this week because I've already taken two hours of living room time away from my wife, and I don't want to take uh-huh. another two. Um, but uh, you can find that on twitch.tv slash Jurassic Rabbit. As I always say, any kind of video streaming or social media service, put a slash in Jurassic Rabbit, and you'll find me. Nice. Nice. That's a good way to do it. Um to chat and to VOD viewers of this, I know this this is not ideal. This is not like the best way that we could uh, record a frame trap, and I'm sure the quality will take a hit, definitely. Uh, but thank you so much for your patience. We are trying to figure this out. We're trying to give you stuff as best we can. So yeah, just huge shout out to you uh, for, for being understanding, for being there, and for supporting us. Uh, really, really, really appreciate it. Now more than ever. Um, and yeah, it's going to do it for us. Until next time. And also do do check out IGN.com too. <laughs> <laughs> of course. I shouldn't have said that. Do check out IGN. <laughs>